Personally. No, no, no! Coco Talk would like to thank our patrons who sponsor our show. So our heartfelt gratitude goes out to... I got a TV Al on Martin, behind me right Alan now. Huffman, Alan Murphy, Amigos Retro Gaming, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Riker, Kyle Etter, Malfunk, Michael Pitsley, Rick Eulin, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Paul Thayer, Bob Inman, Stephen Wagner, Steve Batson, Steve Rasmussen, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C, Tom S, Tim Lindner, Tom Heron, and Tony C. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off-color comments were made, we're sorry. This is Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. With your host, Mr. Gameplay Goodness himself, Stevie Strout. All right, we're here with a little bit of a throwback intro there. And we've got a great show in store for you. We've got a great panel. We've got a special guest. We've got a live audience out there. Kevin Holloway, Mikey, Sixie, Coco Man, 8 Bits in the Basement, Frodo, Tom, Eric Gunderson, Pilot is out there, Canadian Retro Things, Ken Reichert is out there. So, hello everybody. Welcome to Coco Talk and welcome panel. Atari Leaf. We have I've not seen Atari Leaf in a long time. How are you? Yeah, like a year. Yeah, David Craker is out there, and this is kind of our Easter edition since tomorrow is Easter Sunday. Qui-Gon is out there. Hey, Qui-Gon. All right, well, we can sit here and say hello all day and not even do a show, but let's go ahead and start the show. Let's go ahead and we'll go around the room. I like what Mark Bosley did last week with the line feed carriage return. That was cute. So um, top left-hand corner, our resident Apple guy. Mark Overholzer is here. Hello, Mark. Thank you for being here for all that you do for Hello. the show. Glad to be here. Always fun. We've got the Game on Challenge guy, the guy whose hair is so dreamy it makes us all jealous. You know him. You love him. It's none other than... Nick Marona. And how are you today, Nick? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Not bad, not bad. We have Good. the uh, stunt double for that rock band ZZ Top. Uh, Rick Eulen is here today. Hey, Rick, how are you doing? He's doing so good, he's on mute. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> big old thumbs up. For those listening at home, those were I like we turned the, the sound yeah. on to do yeah. a silent yes. thumbs up. Well, awesome. yeah. Hey, Paul Fiscarelli's out there. Yo, 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 how you doing, Polly? How you doing, Polly? All right. We got Jason, the Coco Man Riker is here. He was freshly brought a sandwich from Sarah. Hello, Jason. How are you? Why, hello, Stevie. Yes, I got a sandwich and also brought me a, a diet Dr. Pepper. Ooh. Ooh, that is exciting. Our our backup streamer, the guy who made the show happen for us last week, and very thank you to you, sir, Mr. Mark Bosley. Hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Made the show finally. Didn't excellent. know if I was going to make it today. Excellent, excellent, excellent. You know him. You love him. It's none other than Ron Delvo. You're on mute too, Ron. 
your lips move, but I can't hear what you say. And uh, keep on talking. I still can't hear you. It's all good. There we go. Round I was saying uh, I was at Nitrous Nine headquarters in Saskatoon or wherever the heck it is. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Tim Linder saying hello in the live chat. Hello, Tim Linder. Hello, Pilot. Hello, Terry Steen. Our news correspondent, the color computer games list website guy, the guy who's making Nitrous Nine even more nitrousy, L. Curtis Boyle. How are you today, sir? Not too bad. We had uh, Ron on mute because he was about to divulge some important secret information on updates to Nitrous 9. So I had to uh, witness protection. Can't program. do it, Ron. Can't do That's it. Great. Non That's great. Non-disclosure. Non-disclosure. Uh, you sign that NDA, man. Force of will be over to see you shortly. And we have Brian the Shoebring Music Man is with us. Hello, Brian the Music Man Shoebring. How are you, sir? I'm excited. You know what? Hearing you do your voice thing is about as fresh and unexpected as me doing this. All right, so. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh, appreciate it. It's a beautiful thing. Okay, the Hollywood Squares just shuffled on me. Alan Murphy's with us. Hey, Alan Murphy, how are you? Howdy, howdy. Doing all right. Hope everyone else is. All right. And the live stream out there. Speaking of live stream, Grant Leedy's out there live streaming with us. Uh, who else did we see? Uh, Tim Linder popped in a minute ago. Thanks, Tim, for being here, and thanks for your help on the newsletter, which we'll be hopefully releasing today. Uh, we talked about Brian the Music Machine. We talked to Mark and, and the Thunder from Down Under. It is none other than the creator of the latest game for your Coco, where we're going to all say, shut up and take my money for zero hour. Nicholas Marentes is here. Good eye, Nick. Hey, good day. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, and so a uh, little tie-in with uh, updates with what I'm wearing. It's a tie-in to Nick's homeland, so we'll talk about that hopefully sometime today. And last but not least, our special guest today who's got some earth-shattering, groundbreaking news to share with the world, but it's Alan from AC's 8-Bit Zone. Hey, Alan, how the hell are you? Hey, Stevie. I'm so also so happy to be here. I hope I'm not on mute. You're not on mute. No, you're oh. not. All right. We all try and be, and be as um, careful as possible. And then when it comes time for our spotlight, it's like. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's like it's like watching a samurai theater, right? Where the words are just not in sync with the uh, thing. Right. So uh, I am at the Shaolin Temple. And uh, yeah. So um, excellent. 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 So we're here. Uh, we're going to jump into Nick Morota's favorite part. We, Nick, uh, Nick Morota has a time crunch today. He's got to be somewhere. He's got a plane to catch. He's got people to see. He's got his uh, agents that are working with him on a new uh, new network deal. So uh, look look for the Nick Morota breakout show coming to WNBC in the near future. But until then, we're going to jump oh, yeah. into his favorite segment of the show, the Game On Challenge. And from what I tell, let's see, I just, just comes in from the booth, but my producer... My engineer is telling me that well, I think we've got a brand new um, Coco Thoughts from Samuel Gimes. It is probably Game yeah. On related. Oh, boy. I, I know I know Rondell, though, is a huge fan I'm of the thrilled. song parodies. Uh, Atari Leaf says, thanks so much and glad to be here. Right place, right time, eh? Oh, absolutely, eh? Take off, eh? All right, so how about we <laughs> let's go over here and let's see what Samuel Gimes has been thinking about. Let's see what his Coco Thoughts are. And then we'll talk about the game that we played this week and all that good stuff. So here we go. The latest Coco thoughts for your viewing, listening, and cerebral pleasure. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. 
Shark treasure. Do 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 do. Shark treasure. Do 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 Get the gold. Ooh 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 ooh. Get the gold. Ooh 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 ooh. It's got a beat, and you can dance to it. Use flash bang 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 ba bang ba bang. Use flash bang 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 ba bang ba bang. Use flash bang 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 ba bang ba bang. Use flash bang. I got eight no 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 no. I got eight no 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 no. I got eight no 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 no. I got eight. Now I'm broke. Boo hoo 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 hoo. Now I'm broke. Boo hoo 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 hoo. Now I'm broke. Boo hoo 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 hoo. Now I'm broke. Why are you son of a? Oh my God! With <laughs> song parodies like that, I think we're gonna need a bigger boat. Oh my God! Didn't see that one coming. No. Nope. Um, oh, ooh, that was Samuel Gimes. You know, you almost should have expected a baby shark thing with Shark Treasure, but I didn't expect it. But how he did it, he did it as only Samuel Gimes can. He, Thank goodness. <laughs> now it'll be stuck in your head. Yeah. Luckily, that was bad enough. I don't think we'll get a copyright. Oh, uh, my goodness. <laughs> That's our standard here at Coco Ah, uh, So somebody's mentioning that on uh, on Twitch, it says I'm playing The Witcher 3. That's an old feed from Restream. Uh, I'll have to fix that later. Can't fix it now. Sorry about that. Uh, but by the way, if you're watching us on Twitch, in case you haven't noticed, I'm not playing The Witcher 3. Uh, I'm on Twitch. It's fine. No, the description of the game being played or oh. something like that. So, okay. um, yeah. yeah, Frodo was all excited because he thought there was a Witcher 3 being premiered for the Cocoa today. So <laughs> yeah. Ooh, and Simon Jonasson has just joined us. Hey, Simon, the madman has joined us. Hey, Simon, how are you? Good, thank you. Simon. All right. So that was uh, Samuel Gimes' latest hit. Shark treasure, do, 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 do. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and go on to the results. For those who played Shark Treasure, let's see how they did this week. Are you ready, Nick Morota, for me to roll tape? I am. All right. High score challenge with Nick Morota. All right, and welcome to another week of results. This week we played Shark Treasure with 20 scores submitted. Gary M, 8,000. Nathan, 8,000. Coco Discord user, 10,000. Marcy, 10,000. Henry Nonick, 12,000. Mr. Dave, 12,000. Joshua Craker, 14,000. Jim Rye, 16,000. Rick U, 19,000. Ooh, Rick Ulin. Tasman, yeah. 20,000. AC's Apit Zone, 31,000. Me, 42,000. David Craker, 44,000. Rich N, 44,000. Sloopy Malibu, 50,000. Canadian Retro Things, 51,000. Ah, nice scores. Frodo NL, 86,000. L. Curtis Boyle, 172,000. Z9K9, 221,000. And the number one score this week belongs to Buck Owens with 240,000. Way to go. Great scores, and thank you to everybody who participated this week. Mm-hmm. Coco Talk salutes Buck 
Owens. Woohoo! Yeah, Buck Owens. Wow, that is an we'll impressive talk, score. We'll talk more about Buck Owens' score in a bit, but for now, I'm just going to. We'll just talk about the game itself. Um, okay, so you should see my screen coming up. There we go. Looks like alrighty. So, uh, so here's the review by from Rainbow. Uh, they liked the game. They thought it was a nice alternative to space shooters and all the other normal, right. um, usual genres that were out there. So I had a few reviews submitted by various people, uh, Curtis and, and Buck Owens and that. So we had we got a review from... Uh, Color Computer Magazine. Thank you. Color Computer Magazine and uh, Hot Cocoa and other magazines. So here's here's a, a couple different score uh, cards from Rainbow. The first one shows 245,000 as a score, and that's very interesting. Uh, again, we'll talk about the the high score in a bit. Uh, but look, notice in the second list, uh, who got 126,000? Some Curtis, schmuck. Some Curtis schmuck from Boyle Canada. Yeah. <laughs> are very unbelievable. Yeah. I have no idea who that Maurice Boyle is. That's not a relative of mine mm. in Saskatoon. So. So yeah, two hundred forty-five thousand, which is a po- which is a definite possible score. So uh, thanks to Canadian Retro Things for gameplay footage uh, on his channel, uh, Canadian Retro Things. So um, yeah, so this was a game that I I played um, as a youth, as uh, and uh, it was um, a lot of people hadn't heard of it uh, here, but I thought it was I, I assumed it was kind of popular, but. It got a lot here. of coverage in magazines, so yeah. And um, yeah, so basically, I, I I petered out at whatever my score was. I couldn't get higher than forty-two thousand or whatever it was. I got, um, I got to where there were six sharks, and one of the rows was going pretty fast, and I and that was all I could do. So, I was thinking I when we were watching uh, the video that uh, Samuel Gimes has made that the fact that the sharks are in green water, it's like, really, what, 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 where is this? What ocean has got green water? You know, is this, uh, what was that trauma thing, the Toxic Avenger? Is this, uh, is this taking place in that town? Well, you've heard of that algae in the oceans where they get <laughs> yeah, those green blankets, obviously. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. I guess they green. wanted. I'm assuming they wanted to have match the border, I guess. I don't know. But if you're on a Coco 3, you could hack the palette. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. I changed mine to dark blue water. I, I mean, sharks. honestly, on the Coco 1 and 2, what color would you make the sharks? Then, if yeah, you exactly. Water yeah, they'd have to be green or something. Green, red, or yellow is your options, and I think this is probably the best. Yeah, they, 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 had to pick, they had to prioritize the color where it made the most sense. So the... the what I didn't realize, because I didn't pay attention to the score as a kid, was as you increased rows, the gold got more. Uh, so start off at thousand dollars per, and then each each row, each four levels, it goes up a thousand. I think that's what uh, Buck Owens had said. That little guy looks like me in my red swimming trunks. <laughs> <laughs> that little fat guy. The little, the little guy moves really quickly for a sumo wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know if there's a lot of uh, things to talk about in terms of techniques. Uh, Curtis mentioned one last week of you could follow the shark and touch the shark top or bottom. As long as you're not in matter. front of the mouth. Yeah, any other side, you can actually run right into it and you won't die. 
and once he lunges, once the shark lunges at you, that's it. You're uh, you're And then you lose. The the biggest secret I have, especially on the later levels, is you have to follow the sharks to safe spots where you can suddenly duck down, basically is the safest way to, to put it. So yeah. if you have a shark that's just coming off, say the left side, and you've got a speedy shark, you know, below that, you'll kind of time it to go fall around his tail until the fast one goes by. Then you can skip down, and then you. And also, don't be too greedy on later levels. At the beginning, you can pick up all three and not worry about having flares. But I would always keep at least one flare in reserve and only pick up two maximum, maybe one on the later levels when it gets going really fast. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, yeah, I was too greedy. I always tried to get three and then two. So that was probably was- my downfall. I was kind of wondering why they don't have like a little snorkel thing on the guy because uh, it, you know, is he swimming? Is he on top of the water? Or... <laughs> I know he's probably d- he's diving deep. Yeah, I know. There's well, sumo sumo wrestlers can't really fit those all that well. You see, that's I why. Guess not. No, no. But they can float well, which is why you know he can yeah. float in anywhere in the water he wants. It's it's a cool game. I think one of the reviews I think Buck had pointed out that they compared it with uh, Lunar Rescue from the arcade. Yeah, which I guess loosely because you go down, you rescue people, and you come back up you know, on the arcade game. But when you come back up, like when you go down, you're dodging things, and when you come back up, you're shooting things, and that's totally different than this because here, you don't get to attack the sharks whatsoever; they just attack you. The only thing right. you have is a thing is to you know spin them around 180 degrees with the flares and with a limited number of flares. So the gameplay to me is a fair bit different enough to make it unique. It did kind of remind me of Frogger from Hell, if you will. Ah. <laughs> You could wait as the sharks moving at different speeds formed a pattern that you liked, and then yep. kind of make a and there's no around. timer on this one either. No, that no, one that was really nice too because yeah. I got to actually I had to go answer the door in the middle of my game, so it was nice. I hopped on the boat and stayed. Come back, yeah. it's right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if they had added a timer element or even worse, like oxygen management, then this game would have been brutal, more brutal well, than it already that. was. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was challenging enough as it was. Yeah. So we found out something interesting this week. Buck Owens actually found it out. Uh, I don't know if my next tab is. So in in the uh, Buck Owens brought up the code and he found these these couple of lines, which uh, compares the the compare A to F six and then uh, it jumps to where does it jump to? And just after. Okay, so. Uh, Anyway, this is Buck Owens' play, and you'll notice he's at 240,000, mm-hmm. and, and watch what happens. So he's going up to the boat with a piece of gold. And why does, why is his gold, like, multicolor there? He's because like... it's worse. And that's it. That's it. It just jumped Amen. back to the home screen. So that code that I showed you, basically, if the score starts with 20, uh, 246 or up, it kicks you out to the uh, main screen. Yeah, you basically, you've, you've beaten the game at that point. Yeah, so I imagine that was their way of not worrying about overflow and that sort of thing. They probably figured nobody would get there. So, uh, so Buck Owens actually, his score was probably 247. The reason the gold was diff- bigger color is as it gets more valuable, it changes in appearance. Oh, so at yeah. that point, they were worth 7,000 each. So his square was probably really 247. Um because but it, it, when it added to the seven to the two forty, it kicked off that condition and uh, and uh, kicked him out of the game. So that was an intentional exit from the game, which is kind wow. of uh, kind of uh, didn't even tell you anything. No, like no. congratulations no. or anything. Yeah. It's like boom, you're done. 
Yeah, because as far as I can tell, the, the scores are based on, what is it, a 100 or a 1,000 point minimum. So basically, it has one byte to do the actual digits of the score, which you know, would normally be 0 to 255. Uh, yeah. But maybe assume that the gold would be worth enough that you might wrap it. Like maybe the maximum value of gold is wrapping at that 246 mark. So as soon as you go over that, he just rather than you know try to fit an extra digit, which you had room for, you could have <laughs> put an extra byte in there. But uh, yeah, he just ditched it. Now, did we check the rainbow scoreboard to make sure none of those scores? Uh, yeah, 245 was the high score. So, but the the problem is too is that you if you don't capture that score before that condition, you lost all visual proof of it. Proof of it, you know, because the screen just goes away and it doesn't like show you at any time the best score that keeps no no running keeps no running high score at all. No, that's why we had to had to give a warning to people to take a picture before as you're approaching zero. Because yeah. you're not going to get a chance. No, I didn't try that. the one trick you sometimes could do back in the day to get a screenshot where if you hit reset, I don't think Shark Treasure re- restarts itself when you hit reset. It actually exits to OK, doesn't it? Mm. Oh, so that way sometimes you can do like a memory? penal 3, comma 1, screen 1, comma 0, and then you can take a picture of it then. But I can't remember. Uh, that no, it, it reboots when you hit uh, reset. OK, Crikey. but does it clear the video memory? Because if it doesn't do that, you should be able to bring up the score again. I'll have to look. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, that was interesting. That uh, the, uh, interesting find that Buck. So Buck broke the game this week. Yeah, again, he's, he's done that a few times. <laughs> yeah, things that nobody would have thought would have been possible back in the day. So yeah, so we had a good turnout, twenty people, Not and bad. Uh, and uh, the game seemed to be. Uh, some people thought it was a lot of fun. So I, I'm really glad that uh, it worked out well. Looked like we. Had I will mention good... one other quick quick comment. <laughs> Um, there's certain games that when I've had younger kids, like little cousins and stuff, come over uh, that really like games that you know are somewhat kid friendly. This is a little bit more horrifying than regular kid friendly, but the kids always liked you know Dino Wars roaring type thing. They always like when the shark suddenly yeah. does the jump at you with the the jaws open because they always just jump and then they giggle like heck. So <laughs> they, they always liked this game. They came back to it m- multiple times. It was one of the two most requested along with Dino Wars for you know children five five years old. I think some of us got a kick out of that too. Yeah, I was going to say to that end, it looked like we had good family participation this week too, where we had some. Yeah, we had Marcy uh, and, and wives uh, and AC's son. Yeah, wives and sons joining too. Yeah. Yeah, so. always good to see that. I appreciate. Uh, we had, had uh, Joshua Craker. Joshua yeah. Craker, yeah. Joshua. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I always. Uh, it's always fun to have uh, families take part. Curtis, I just did that reset and went to the screen, and I have a bunch of sharks and a bunch of guys and a bunch of numbers one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and it's kind of kind of uh, interesting. Uh, <laughs> doesn't sh- shows the shows the score though, but it's all all everything's in the wrong place. Right. Oh, he must have picked a different memory address setting. Huh? I'm sure I could fiddle with it to kind of get it out of there. Because I remember back in the day, like when I did submit scores to the Rainbow Scoreboard, like you you showed earlier. I usually did try to send a screenshot printed out if I couldn't, you know, I didn't have a digital camera about see back in the eighties because it didn't exist. So I would actually sometimes take a screen dump that way. I'd hit reset if the game didn't automatically restart itself and uh, just, you know, figure out where in memory it was and then just dump it out. Crunch. <laughs> nice. <laughs> where the only, the only thing you lose when you uh, get eaten by a shark is your money, apparently, or, or they're just bringing in new divers one after the other. And it's like, Oh, well, you know, Send another diver. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you've Lost got another you've one. got maximum shark saturation here. Other than like two sharks per 
row, which I think it does do sometimes, right? Do you ever get two sharks on no, one? No, I don't no? think so. No. Not, no, not, that I, not that I know. Oh, by the way, uh, uh, Jason posted into um, Discord here a picture of what the screen dump he did. And actually, it looks like um, it's doing... It's, it's actually got the shape table, so you can see the little uh, eating explosion and all the numbers and stuff rendered in there. And then the actual gameplay is down below, so it looks like he's got pre-rendered stuff for the beginning of the video memory. And then the gameplay is a little bit shifted down, probably halfway between pages that BASIC uses. Mm. Um, I don't know if I can drag that over into here. Yeah, and Frodo's saying that, no, the um, sharks yeah. get faster, but we're not getting double, double sharkage. I sent it to Nick, too, just FYI. Well, Nick, since you're sharing the screen, uh, can you bring up this picture? Because it's kind of an interesting showing of the game. Yeah, can you can you show everybody Jason's dump? <laughs> All right, hold on. Let's just class up the place, why don't we? <laughs> I can, just talk for a bit. Damn. Yeah, because basically, if you look at, at the upcoming screenshot here, the top of the screen seems to be some of the shark, you know, pixel-shifted animations. Ooh, then you've got the large okay, yeah. digits for the score, small ones for your oh, flares you and your... And your treasure, or gold, I should say, and it then just also... went away, Nick. Oh, it. I brought it. Oh, you brought it back. You brought sexy back. Bring back the sharks. Brought the screen sharks back. Brought, yeah. Bringing Sharky back. Yeah. Do, 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 do. There you go. I... Okay, we yeah. can see it right now. Whatever you, yeah, so you can right see, now, you can beside see the bug. big numbers, you can see the animation that he uses when you die. And what is those small one, two, three, four, five? Is that how many lives you have that's, left? That's your flares and gold. Flares and gold. So that is a half size okay. characters. And all, okay. all I did was I just hit the reset button and then uh, it takes you to the disk extended color basic screen. And then I just did a little basic program, you know, P mode three, screen one, comma one, and yeah. just infinite loop. And there you go. So you can see the diver's got two states, arms down in the full jumping jack position. Yeah, and then, um, then the sharks are pixel shifted so that it's faster. You don't have to calculate all the bit shifts. It's right, just and the, and the rotation of the sharks. Uh, I get your digits. So the top of the score near the bottom half there where it says 2,000 gold or $2,000, yeah. that's probably the start of the actual gameplay screen. So the active screen is below that. Right, right. Interesting. Huh. There, us... you get to see some of the sausage being made there. Yeah. Time to make the sausage. All right, so we ready to talk about next week's game? Uh, the suspense is killing me, Nick Morota. All right. So next week's game is a classic. A classic? On the Coco. Mm. Classic. Hello, Rider 64. Oh, Clowns, clowns and, and Balloons. balloons. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's what I usually refer to as this panel here. We've we got a bunch of clowns and balloons here, and unfortunately we're all out of balloons, right? So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Clowns and balloons. It should be another one that the kids may enjoy as well as yeah. the adults. So, uh, yeah, this, is, of course, is by the uh, imitable Steve Bjork. And I don't know if that's even a word, but anyway, uh, that that's our game for the week. And uh, I look forward to seeing what you guys are able to do with it this week. Yes. I, I have to say, somebody had given me a rumor before I'd seen the cartridge. This is way back in the day when it first came out, that the monkey would eventually slap you in the head. if uh... With a hammer? <laughs> I'd heard about that, too. Like, he had a hammer, and he would whack you with the hammer or something like that. Yeah, like whack you, yeah. And then yeah. I, I was so disappointed when that never happened in the real game. <laughs> Very disappointing. Uh, yeah, uh, and there's Jason Reichert holding up the cartridge. The 
rumors are always more fun than the actual. Yes. Okay. So next week, game clowns and balloons. That should be another good one for the family. Yeah. Um, and uh, good, good fun game. I think does it support two players? I don't remember. Is it multiplayer? Uh, I don't think so. I, not simultaneous. If it does, it would take turns. I, or, I yeah, I'm wondering that. if you could take turns. With, uh, I don't remember player. seeing a player number entry. You just press the button and it starts. And your um, when you each time you start the game, your bonus value and extra life value becomes random every single time. So like you know, next life at X thousand points and bonus. Oh, at, is it? Yeah. So um, that that is random each time you start. So sometimes it'll be seven thousand. Sometimes you get lucky; it'll only be one thousand. So um, oh wow, yeah. But um, definitely want to play that one on a Black Beauty or analog style stick because yes. you need the yeah, full need range analog. of motion to you know glide yes. from left to right. Yeah, uh, your position on the bottom is based on your position of the stick. It's not you know you move right to move right or move left to move left. If you move it two thirds of the way to the right, you're two thirds of the way right across the screen. So you yeah. definitely need analog sticks for this. Yeah. Good game, good music, good sound effects. Um, and kind of inspired from Circus. Yep. Uh, now, Circus Atari, right? Yeah. Now or was that it had, just called that, Circus? That one had uh, that one had teeter totter. It was right? a seesaw. Yeah. So you had two so guys so, on a so seesaw similar. that you had to keep bouncing back and forth and getting them higher and higher. Um, yeah. So it's a little different, but very much the same spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this one, it's two other clowns or whatever, you know, kind of just holding a trampoline that you jump off. Of. And you bounce higher and higher as you go up. First, you can't quite reach the balloons, but the more you bounce, you start reaching. The, and if you uh, and if you clear a, a, an upper level balloon before you, you clear the lower level, that little balloons appears again. So you have to clear the bottom Yeah, level from the first, bottom up. You have to like do bottom, middle, middle top. Yeah. Yeah. I think you get, what is it, 200 pound, 200 point per row of balloons you complete in 1,000 when you complete all three or something? Yeah, something like that. And it plays a little bit of circus music. Yeah, yep. multi-voice music, which was one of the earlier games in the Copa that did that. Yeah. Right at startup. So thank yes, you guys. That was the uh, infamous Datasoft animated musical marquee. We had that on, uh, uh, what was the other one too? Shooting Gallery. Yep, did it too. Had an, an, I don't think Canyon Climber had title music. It probably still had the, the, the spinning marquee, but I don't think it had title music for Canyon Climber. I don't think it even had the spinning marquee, if I remember. Oh, no, I just went to the graphics screen. Right? It just said yeah. Canyon Climber, right? That's true. Yeah, that true that, true that. All right. Well, we have a very special treat. We have a very special guest, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, today. Um, we are going to talk about digital cocoa video with our special guest, uh, Alan, from ac's eight bit zone on that thing the kids hey. these days are calling the youtube and uh alan how are you thanks for joining us again hey uh great stevie how's the audio coming through uh good good sounds like uh good. okay i never know how this headset's going to respond on a given day so uh great to be here everyone and uh yeah i do have uh, a, a nice announcement today for anyone who tuned in last week and heard uh saw the video that that Curtis showed about my prototyping. You know, I was working on a HDMI or a, D, a DVI video output for a Coco One and a Coco Two. So uh, I've had an update this week. I received the first prototype boards from JLC PCB. So it, it's a, it was a fun week for me, and I've I've gotten to spend uh, about a day with with the new hardware and uh, put out a little video about it this morning on YouTube. 
so I wanted to, to share with you uh, uh, where this came from and uh, where you know where it is right now and then and what I planned for it to be in the in the future so I want to share my screen okay. if I may you may you may share when ready okay I believe this is the one. So you should be seeing a couple of Coco 2s from mm -hmm. the back. Yep. Okay. All right. So, um, you know, you get a Coco 1 or a Coco 2, and you're stuck with the RF modulator, and everybody, the, the first thing you want to do is go ahead and do that composite video upgrade. So here's a, a shot of uh, two of the Coco 2s. The one on the top is the style with the vertical RF modulator. So you see there's the little audio out just above the composite video out. So this is after I modified it for composite video. Uh, you know, I removed the modulator, uh, changed the circuit around, and then I repurposed the channel switch for the audio BNC connector, or the audio uh, RCA connector. And then the, uh, the bottom is now the composite output. And then the bottom Coco 2 is the later models where they, they laid the RF modulator flat on the main board. So now the channel switch is to the left of, of the video connector. So in the, in the bottom picture, I managed to reuse the two openings that are already in the case. And you have composite video and S video and the composite video connector is one of the little three-pole connectors, the little TRRS connectors, so you can combine the video and audio on that one that one jack. So, you know, this gets you a, a good ways down the road, And but what I always find is that if I'm looking at text, I want to use the S-video, right? And then if I want to play an artifact game, you you know you can't see the artifact colors with s video you see black and white so then i want to switch over to composite video and it's the back and forth so i guess where this project came from is wanting to do away with that and have one video output that supports all the modes of the coco and without a lot of switching cables around and, and changing inputs on the on the monitor or the tv panel so, so that was the beginning, and uh, there here was the uh, the composite video mod and the S video mod schematics, and uh, this was a screenshot of what the composite video looked like, and it wasn't perfect. I think it it, it sort of depends on a lot of factors with a given board. It, it there's some it's analog, right? So there's there's a range of outcomes that the people have had with different composite mods and then this was s video so it sharpens the text and it looks a little bit better but i really wanted to see exactly what the programmer intended so the idea is sort of like what coco vga does it it snoops the the data straight from the dram and uh, it, it goes to the, the three, three channels of, of VGA. Well, here uh, with, with Coco Digital Video, 
we skip the analog altogether and we just we keep the the digital samples as as pure data and we we uh, stream it over DVI or HDMI straight to the monitor. So there there's really no chance for any corruption or any misinterpretation of of the data or the colors. You're really just limited to how well you encoded the uh, the 24-bit or whatever resolution RGB colors, and uh, only limited by that and the quality of your monitor. Okay, now we're going to go into. Okay, are you hearing the uh, the, the video audio through this? No. Oh, you can't hear that. Okay. Not not I'll very loudly. To, uh, Put it to you. Yeah, it's quiet. It's there, but it's very quiet. How about now? No, because I, I think when you share, you need to share audio too as you're sharing it. But okay. I don't know that we need to if we have you, right? <laughs> you can just comment over it. That's true. So if, if you can see this, this is fine. So I'll just freeze it here. Okay. So in the back is the is the socketed VDG chip. And then there's a little blue interface board. Mm -hmm. And then coming forward, there's a off-the-shelf FPGA board. Uh, I got this little FPGA board for Christmas, and uh, or right after Christmas. And the original intent was I was going to use it as a logic analyzer in the Coco. So I would uh, effectively you know, bring 16 wire leads out of it and probe the VDG and learn all about how the VDG works, right? And, um, but then I realized that uh, I could probably do a, a simple little display out to this little 2.8 inch LCD screen. And, uh, so I thought this, this should be fairly simple to, to get a four wire spy connection over to this little monitor and, and get a visual because what happens is you, you, uh, you can capture the data in RAM inside the FPGA, and you capture frame by frame as as the as not as the SAM delivers the data over to the VG, to the VDG chip. You're snooping it with the FPGA, and you're capturing it frame by frame in a buffer. But in order to know whether you're capturing data correctly with this logic. You need a way to, to dump the data out to a PC and look at it or just use this little display like what I'm doing here. So this is how I got started. Uh, just using the display, uh, learning the idiosyncrasies of the SAM and the VDG, and boy, it has, and it has plenty. There's you know, nothing quite as straightforward as, as you imagined that it would be in there. Uh, so there was a lot of learning about you know, how does how does the VDG render the, the text? How does it um, how does it go into the different graphics modes? Um, so that was quite a journey. Uh, definitely the the hardest part of the journey, I would say. Um, and then uh, there was a good good little bit of work getting the the spy connection out to this little TFT LCD screen. Um, and then, uh, and then the HDMI grew out of the board. You see the cable coming out of the top there, yeah. right? Okay, so that's the that's the full size HDMI 
header. And I'm later in this video, I, I show some, some gameplay footage on the, on the real monitor. Let's see if it's in here. Okay, here it is. I just saw you switch from uh, artifact to RGB. There's the moon cresta. Moon cresta. So this was last R week's game of the week, right? RGB, yeah. perfectly, perfectly RGB'd. Yes. So here, here is the exact. These are the exact images that are stored in the DRAM. And then, uh, just a moment here, I'm going to switch through. Is there any latency at all, even like a millisecond's worth of latency, or is this like as real yeah. time as it can be? Yeah, there's not that much. It's, um, yeah, I guess it would be, it, it's 1 60th, it's one frame. So, you know, so it's running, so it's running, it's updating the, the field or the, the screen at, at 60 hertz. Uh -huh. So it, it's one frame of delay. Okay. So a full frame is snooped and collected in buffer RAM. And once it's complete, then it's, you go back through it and ship it over the HDMI cable. We have a question from the chat, actually, now that you bring up the 60 hertz, and there's a person that must have a Dragon in the UK or something, but he's asking, will this mod work for the Dragon? And, I mean, there's there's two versions of the Dragon, the Tana Dragon for North America, 60 hertz, so I'm assuming it would work there as long as it fits properly. Uh, but the 50 hertz PAL Dragon, if you modified the FPGA program to do 50 frames a second versus 60, would it work there, you think? I It, it surely would, and I'm thinking, I'm wondering how I'm going to test that. Um, but... Uh, it surely would, right? I mean, because um, it, it's really it's keying off of frame sync and horizontal sync, so it, it's really it's really going to be immune to the to the to the refresh rate, the 60 hertz or 50 hertz. But it certainly needs to be tested just to make sure. And I'm wondering okay. how am I going to how am I going to test that? But but yes, it, it's going to work for both. Uh, Coco VGA certainly supports both correct i believe so it, it's just a matter of trying to get it to fit <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> oh there's some so there's some you have to like stack I, up a whole bunch of sockets to get the clearance it needs because it can't go down low enough to the motherboard so you almost have oh, to create like a riser socket fitting. for it yeah 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 okay oh not so not aspect ratio or, no 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 no, or, no. just uh or, logistics yeah, physical fit yeah okay yeah. So yeah, there, you know, HDMI supports so many, uh, so many different resolutions, and I'm pretty sure they're they're just using the 640 by 480 for Coco VGA, and I'm just doing the same thing here with with HDMI instead of VGA. So yes, it, it will work for both. We'll just have to test it and make sure. Okay. Are there cool. any other any other questions coming in from chat, Curtis? Uh, that's it so far. Um... Uh, David Craker said, okay. Alan, watch your video before the show, and it looks awesome. Oh, good. Thanks, David. Okay, so let me move on to the next. I think this is my final photo. Okay, so uh, this is the big announcement. The, the prototype boards came in Thursday, and I played with them a bunch yesterday and uh, got them up and running, and um, I don't have... There on the upper right, there's a, a little micro HDMI connector. That's just for show at the moment. It's not actually soldered on there. So I'm waiting for a hot air reflow station to come in so I can reflow the connector and the other little, uh, the other little missing IC chip. Uh, so I've only been able to test so far with the little LCD screen. 
but I was really excited that the, the board powered up. It didn't fry my Cocoa 1. I'm actually testing this one in a Cocoa 2. The, the breadboard that you saw was in the, the Cocoa 1, and this one's placed into a Cocoa 2. I think it's the old style. Yes, it's the old style Cocoa 2 with the vertical RF modulator. And uh, yeah, so it powered up. All the power supplies came up. I was able to load the FPGA. I was able to load the flash chip, which loads the FPGA out of uh, fresh power up. And just to see basic things working is a good sign. And I'm really looking forward to, to getting the connector soldered on there and uh, hopefully, you know, barring some, some uh, mistake in this layout or whatever, it should just work over HDMI. What is that shield in the top right hand corner? Is that a micro HDMI connector right there? Or is that for exactly. USB power? That's a, that's a micro that's a micro HDMI. Okay. Uh, and so is it getting its power from the Coco bus? It is. So uh, so pin 17 of the VDG provides us with 5 volts. Okay. And uh, and this board this board needs three internal power supplies and those are developed by the little four pin regulators in the bottom right. Okay. Right beside the the VDG chip. VDG chip. Um, yeah, so it drives all its power from the five volts, and uh, the the 6847 is riding piggyback here, similar similar to to the way the Coco VGA does mm -hmm. this. Um, so I, I think you know going forward with this, one of my little goals is to see if we can run this without the 6847 in the socket, and. Um, that's not a giant leap. I think it's it, it, it's I think it's full of uh, there's probably a couple of little tricks. Maybe there's some learning there, but uh, it's not impossible. Uh, so that's one little thing that I would like to just try out. And how would you do that? Would you, you just do an FPGA fully... implementation of the VDG chip itself, or yeah, or has so the VDG what, become uh, unnecessary because you're just sniffing RAM and you don't need that chip anymore? You're by, you're basically exactly. bypassing the chip. Yeah, right now the only thing that it's doing is well, it's doing two things. If you want to keep your your old RF outputs, you'll need the VDG to uh, to create the uh, the analog signals nah. or you, okay. to, to create the the three or four digital signals that go over to the RF modulator. So you if you want to keep that, you'll you know you'll <laughs> isn't the purpose of us so. doing this in the first place to say screw the old TVs. <laughs> <laughs> To me, it is. To me, it is. So I won't feel bad at all, you know. Yeah. Uh, I want I, this I fancy I'm... HDMI hookup thingy here so I can get my RF out going. I, you're, you're right on. Um, you know, someone who's a purist might say, well, you know, I want to, I want both. Yeah, I, I want to see the crappy next to the good. I want the good with the bad, yeah. right? So. You want to make it look yeah. even better because you can compare the two side by side. Then. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, run them side by side simultaneously, right? So I, I think there's maybe room for both cases where, um, you know, some people may want to get rid of it and, and just run with this. So, so yeah, I'm going to try to see if, if I can make that happen. So that's one little thing. Um, I, I do have another comment from the chat here from yeah. Kieran uh, from the UK, of course, the creator of XROR. And he goes, uh, the Dragon and PAL Cocos interrupt the clock to the VDG. So if you're getting H-Sync from the VDG for timing, you'll need another source for that. But it sounds like you're kind of bypassing it anyway at this point. So it doesn't really matter. 
I am getting the H-Sync from the VDG at the moment. So if, if there's an if there's an interruption, uh, I'm not really sure how that mechanism works off the top of my head. So I'll I'll have to uh, take a look at that, and and maybe that's one of the complications where uh, you know Brendan and Ed just decided that they they just didn't want to go there with the Coco VGA, and they just kept the VDG maybe for that kind of a reason. So I, I figured there would be some uh, some challenges in buried in there somewhere so maybe that's one of them um, and stepping back just a little bit uh, I guess a, a month or two ago uh, we were chatting on discord and uh, you know I was talking with with Brendan Donahue and I said hey is is anyone thinking about a Coco HDMI because I'd be interested in that right. and right. You know, that product and I'd love to help out on it if there's a if someone's thinking about starting up a, a little project. And Brendan said, "Well, yeah, not not right now. They're not really thinking about building one now, but it has been talked about in the past." So I said, "Okay." Uh, yeah, he and Ed had had discussed it uh, on occasion. So um, then I, I think I was chatting with uh, it might have been Rob Enman, and Rob mentioned. The Commodore 64 has this Ultimate 64 with HDMI output, and so you know that just kind of pushed me over the edge. And I said, you know what, you know, all that technology the, wasted on a C64. <laughs> I know. I mean, the 6809 deserves that, right? Yes. So absolutely. Yeah. So that so that really sort of lit a fire under me. And, and at that point, I already had my little Christmas FPGA board doing some little things and you know snooping the the vdg and the sam and i said you know what let's let's just try this and and so that's how it got kicked off uh, now uh, i will mention that there's the whole royalties and and hdmi rights sort of a topic yeah and so the ultimate 64 has some way of getting around that and and the best we can tell is that it's um, it's sympathy. They're going. Oh, you guys are Commodore owners. We're not going to go after you. So. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. You know, it's it, it's small potatoes for one thing. But no, I think, I think what has, is going on there is that the only the only entity that needs to pay a royalty is the final assembler or the OEM. So you know, if you're if you're the manufacturer making an HDMI connector, let's say, you may need to be HDMI, I don't know, certified or whatever, recognized, authorized, whatever the right word is. Authorized agent or something. Something like that. But you yeah. don't pay a royalty. So you deliver your product to the next person in the chain. And, and maybe that person makes the motherboard or the PCB that receives the HDMI connector. Okay. If you put the words, if you print the HDMI logo in, in the board silk screen, you may need to be HDMI recognized, but you still okay. don't have to pay the royalty. Okay. But the person who sells that computer or that set-top set device or whatever, they would pay the royalty. And, and there's a, something like a $2,000. There's two different levels depending on your, the volume of HDMI that you're selling as a, as a corporation. And it's at least $2,000 yearly. So obviously we're not going to do stuff. So, I'm not going to do that, right? I, I'm thinking I'm going to make four or five of these boards, and I'm going to use them, 
you know, maybe there'll be two or three people who also want one. Oh, there'll be a lot more than that. Be, there'll be a lot more than two yeah, or three people be, who want one of these things. I can tell you that. Well, we may have, we may have to figure out how to build more than so, four at a time then. So, so here's, I, here's I what you do. Five here's then. your solution. You make the HDMI shield basically through hole or socketed and um, you don't install it, right? So it's like shipping an emulator without the ROMs, right? So here's the board without okay, the that, HDMI you know shield and you put it on and that you don't sell it to nobody. So you're not a reseller. So the- You're on the right track. <laughs> you're on the right track. Ultimate 64 took a little bit similar approach. So what they do is, you know, the connector's right, right there on the board. And I can't recall if it advertises the HDMI logo. Surely not, right? No, no. But he he ships it. He delivers it in DVI mode. Okay. So which, which you don't the need the license. DVI and HDMI. No audio. You don't need the license DVI. Right. It's completely royalty free because yeah, the the differentiator in HDMI is was first it was just audio, and then uh -huh. later they had the ARC, and uh -huh. then some more features came along. Okay, so. So you, you ship it. Well, and the other thing is that we're making a little hobby board here. Yeah. So uh, I'm making a board that I'm it's I'm not an OEM. I'm not selling a computer right. or, or a, a delivering a system or making a profit on a system right. that, that claims that it uses HDMI. So I'm just going to ship a, a little board to a few friends, yeah. you know, and they and they would like to. Uh, they may decide that they want to, as a hobby, upgrade it down the road for HDMI. So they would just download a different, a different image into the flash chip on the board. Mm. So and does I your think, HDMI port in here support sound then? Um, so it's, it's interesting. That's one of the little things that I'm gonna be working on going forward. Um, HDMI does support sound, but I don't yet know how I'm going to uh, A to D convert it and and get it into the into the stream. Nah, so right now, nah. what I'm what I'm doing is I'm I'm just sampling. I'm just creating a an octave of tones, and I'm you know I've just proven out that it, it that the HDMI is sending the the audio from the FPGA to the the TV, and uh, and and later now that I have this board, I'm going to see if I can uh, bring a fly wire from the the RF modulator. Right. The, That's what Coco VGA and, and, does. And, and, you just tap into pin four of the can and you get your sound okay. from there. You get a ground from the motherboard and uh, audio from the uh, pin four from yeah, the leg of the get, RF can. Yeah. I probably should have asked more questions from uh, of Ed and Brendan before I did. Well, it's on it's on the Coco VGA site because I did that I, I did that one myself. Okay. I soldered my connector for that, and I'm not even a hardware guy, so yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I'm not even sure how they went about you know a to d converting it or what they did does it so does it go to oh i guess it it's not even it's not even an a to d uh, it's just it's going to an, to an r and one eighth inch yeah and a one eighth inch headphone jack right so um okay so it's straight through it's straight it, so through they, so you could audio, you could intercept yeah. that and feed that out to so your, that's a purely analog analog audio converting yeah. it to digital yeah thing. so what we'll do here is we'll either just do that as a fallback uh but where i'd like to get is uh, go ahead and digitize that and ship it over in the HDMI cable. So that's that's a future, you know, the next few weeks kind of a thing that I'll be looking into. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of video guys, Ed Snyder's in the live chat. Hey, Ed, thanks for being here. Um, so Coco, so you can't call it Coco HDMI. 
right? You don't want to you don't want to make HDMI part of the name for the whole licensing thing, right? So no, I figured it. So I'm calling it Coco DV, Coco Digital Video. Yeah, I love it. I love you, it. You can call so it Coco DVI plus sound later, but three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're really sneaky. I don't know if I can fit that on this tiny little board. This board uh, doesn't have a lot of space available. But yeah, so that was the thought is this is a digital video board. Maybe you're maybe you just want a little LCD or maybe you're fine with DVI and then, you know, sending the sound through the side channel. Um, but if you want to go with HDMI, that that's your prerogative as well. Mm hmm. It's cool. So I understand part of this. I understand that you're you're basically you're you're sniffing video RAM. All right. Now what I don't understand is how you're doing the artifact emulation. So there's got to be some type of logic in there that's emulating like what the Coco VGA does and what Mame does and things like that, right? Yeah. So I don't exactly know their algorithm. Uh, so, but I'm doing something that must be very very similar. So. Um, Really, really, at the really simple level, what happens is go back for one draw, second because you were showing Dragonfire yeah. too, and Dragonfire does some unique timing where it's like changing you know stuff on scanline modes. Like oh yeah, five six oh, thousand so, times so per you're second. Aware of that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that the fact you have that because that doesn't yeah. even work on emulation. Yeah, because that's changing the color set signal on the VDG like multiple times per scanline. Yeah, it's like five six thousand times. Yeah, a what's second. going? On? This was this is a good this is a good test case game this one this one really stresses and and tests the ability for the timing of the snoop to be correct so you're yeah. exactly right yeah. notice how you're and seeing, look how clean that is too that is wicked, wicked clean yeah. oh yeah this is wicked clean i mean it, it looks a little streaky and that's all the uh that's all in the the video capturing and any imperfections of of a tft display that's yeah. all that i mean because like i said before there's no loss whatsoever over the HDMI cable. Right. Or, you know, it's funny, oddly enough, when you watch this video on YouTube that came out this morning, there are losses on those four spy wires. So I, I found out that I'm, I'm seeing some glitches occasionally on this little display that I did not see on the breadboard. But on the breadboard, I didn't have these 10-inch long uh, lead wires coming out of the out of the board up to this little display but anyway um yeah when when you look at this over hdmi it's only limited by how well i emulated the palette uh 24-bit values okay right? like the rgb lookup table and how good yeah the lookup table how right. well i guessed or you know chose those values um and and how good my hdmi panel is so um, it's it's just pure. It's it's whatever. It's right, it's, right, it's right. Digitally perfect. So, uh, but they have the cool thing about this this graphics mode here is that you're seeing some of the colors from color set zero and some from color set one. Yeah, yeah, like that They're dark it. the dark blue shadow against the cyan. Those are two different color sets there. Exactly. And the fact so, you have dark blue next to white, that white is from. So even on a horizontally and vertically, it's changing the modes. Yes. Yeah. And one thing that was interesting to me, you can't quite see it on this. Are you seeing my mouse? Yeah, we see your mouse. Yeah. When I yeah. point. Okay. So it, when you look at this on a on a large HDMI monitor, yeah, you can see in in the corners where 
maybe the, the switched over the flip the bit flip wasn't exactly perfect and round and you can see a little like a little yellow spot where they're flipping over to the other color set and they probably wanted it to be dark blue but but it didn't come out as buff or dark blue it's sort of like a yellow okay it's almost an artifacting they, they it's like a, a p mode 3 artifacting you're getting there or something it, and it's not it's not that, but it's like that. Yeah. But it's just because they're they're timing this in their interrupt routine, and you know they just switch over to the other color set, and they got yellow because they switched from color set one back to zero, one maybe one pixel too early. Right. Right. But I, as I understand, what's going on here is the the program is tied to the horizontal sync, so maybe they're they're counting you know, after cycles, the horizontal probably. sync. Maybe they. They count cycles and then they flip the CSS hardware. If I remember correctly, that is what they're doing. Okay, and they're doing it up to twice, and maybe sometimes four times per per horizontal line. <laughs> That's insane, and yep. it's such yeah. a it's such a crappy game, dude. You're wasting all this time. <laughs> all <that work>. <laughs> yeah, all this time and technology and sorcery on a crap game. So. <laughs> right, and then and then the other game that I show next is Canyon Climber because. It's a great test of artifact graphics. Right? right, right, right. And you can't tell on this little screen here, but when you look at it on your monitor with HDMI, yeah, you can see that the little dynamite sticks are pink instead of white. Okay. Okay, and and you could see um, there's yellows in the trestle. It's not just the trestles aren't just uh, the two artifact colors. There's other colors showing up in there. Um, and in, in my last week video, I, I went into a little bit of detail about the different artifacting modes. Right, because this is the wrong color. Yeah. Or is this the right color? This is the wrong color. This is the wrong one. This is the wrong one. It should be the red. When, when you get to the flip. third screen, the sky should be blue. <laughs> well, so on the pre, you know, there's there's stage one, stage two, and stage three. Stage right. one was blue. Right. Stage two was orange red. And then stage three is back to blue, isn't it? No, no, because it's supposed to be canyons. So the stage three, the the rocks you're jumping on should be orange, like clay stone, and then the sky should be blue. Okay, so so this is the other color. This set. is the opposite yeah, okay. color set, yeah. And and so uh, what I've what I've done is I've uh, I have a little push button on the board where you can you can toggle through the different artifact modes, and you can switch from uh, what I call um, I call it rich artifacts. Simple artifacts, double wide bits, monochrome, and then you could switch to the other color set. Uh, so you just, you'll just swap blue for orange, okay. and then go back through the same four modes all, all around again. Got so, a couple comments from the chat here. I just wanted to grab before they scroll up on me here. So Tom Eric Gunderson asked if I should want one of these. How much are we talking for like the prototype boards, etc.? Oh, great question. I knew it would come up. Um, what I would like to do is make a little batch at a time where we can get the cost down a little bit, right? Making them five at a time, this was a little pricey the first go around. Uh, it'd be great if we could order 10 or 20 or something and, and you know, kind of share the burden. Yeah. Um, count me and, in. And okay, now, so, so, oh, great. Thanks, Stevie. So, JLC PCB assembled these for me and they didn't have two of of the critical surface mount components so i need to work that out so maybe you know maybe build somewhere else um, why not just yeah, buy we'll uh, that. why don't you buy one of those pick and play machines it should be no problem 
<laughs> oh yeah, just yeah. Uh, those those don't come in Wheaties, do they? No. <laughs> um, Actually, talk to me then, offline. I might have an offer for you on that. So. Okay, I'll, I'll check with you. So the other the other thing is there are a couple of through hole connectors to mount manually. So I don't know if if people would want to just you know mount those themselves to save a little cost or. You know, maybe we could go either way. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe if, if I maybe if I mount those connectors, I add a couple bucks or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, but so anyway, it's going to be a lot less than a hundred dollars. Okay. And um, I mean, I would guess, I would love if it would come in under seventy-five dollars, including the little HDMI adapter cable. Okay. Because what you're going to want to do is, you know, you saw the little micro HDMI connector coming off at right. an angle on the corner and that's because it's really challenging to make this fit in all the different versions of the coco one and coco two main board so i i looked at two or three of the different styles of of my own and and found a shape that would that would dodge all the the bolt capacitors okay. and okay. Uh, um, the one thing i couldn't get around is that in the oldest coco two that had the vertical modulator, you just have to go ahead and remove the modulator because it's just such, you're in this little tight, you know, you have a yeah. some giant, I think you have the power supply over on the left and you have the RF modulator on the right and you just don't have any room. So you just have to remove the RF modulator. Then you have the little corner mounted HDMI, micro HDMI connector. And what I'm gonna do is provide a little 12 inch cable if you'd like it, to just relocate that out the back of the Coco. Right, so that so becomes like a micro, micro HDMI to like a normal HDMI female, so like a little pigtail dongle where you just have the socket on the outside? Yeah, well, and you have options there. You could come out still, you could go micro male to micro female, uh -huh. and come out of the back with a small, you know, a smaller. Oh. Another goal of mine try to not have to mangle the back of the case too much. Right, 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 right. So, right. I, so it, it looks like with the uh, little micro connector, I think you can just... You can uh, squeeze that through. You can reuse... The hole from the RF can, yeah, maybe, you can, even. Yeah, I think you can use either one of, the, one of those two holes from the RF can and hopefully not have to make much of a... You may have to sort of round it out a little bit or, or square it up somewhere. Right, 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 right. I don't much. like to uh to force people to mangle their cases so, right but if you'd like you could go from micro hdmi to any other size that you'd right. like right out of the back i mean if you really wanted to go cheap you could <laughs> you could sort of have you could just go from micro hdmi straight to a six foot hdmi cable and but you just run the whole cable through right you know you couldn't just connect the cable yeah, just run the cable out of the back. That would be the uh, that would be your your cheapest and simplest way to connect it to the TV. Got, got a few other comments here too, so I thought I'd just get through them quick here. So Keith Cunningham suggested you could call it the Coco DVI Max when it has sound. Oh. Okay. Uh, Karen okay. says, and there's the fun delay between the CSS change and what gets rendered. Now he's talking about switching the color uh, mode between you know on the same scan like Dragonfire does. <laughs> Ed Snyder says. Interesting project. We opted not to do HDMI for a few reasons on the Coco VGA earlier, but it shouldn't be too hard to add to a new version. And um, 
Retro Rewind CA, which is actually what I was going to talk to you offline about. I didn't realize he was in the chat there, but he's actually a manufacturer and he's got the pick things as well. And he's up in Toronto, Canada. He does a lot of Amigo hard or Amiga hardware. And he's actually been looking at getting into some Cocoa Project stuff uh, for doing manufacturing for mass production. So if you guys awesome. want to talk. Okay. So. Okay. Retro Rewind. That's a new one for me. Okay. Got it. I made some notes. Thank you, Curtis. Yeah. Ed Snyder also says I'd be willing to talk to you about helping with production. Yeah, he's okay. got one of the pick things now too. So, and oh, I, I saw that. That is amazing. Oh wait, yeah. oh, what was that? The pick and place. Yeah, pick and place. Yeah, yeah I think I Retro that. Rewind and Retro Rewind can correct me in the chat if I'm wrong. I think his his company that does the Amiga stuff has several of those pick pick and place things. So, now, but here, here here's a question, and it has to be asked. And I'm gonna go. I'll be the one that asked it. But does it have a real time clock? <laughs> I thought you were going to say toggle no. switch, Jason. So. It, it kind of does because it has to do that timing for dragon fire, so it's well, going to have some sort okay. of clock circuitry. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you could say it's it's slave to the uh, to the sync. How about that? Yeah. It's, it's, it's timing aware. It's to the timing aware. <laughs> yeah. so. It's timing aware. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's timing tolerant. So, uh, yeah. If, if yeah, it's timing tolerant. So if you have a real time clock and you want to, you know come up with a crafty way of deriving your f-sync from that then then go for it <laughs> like i said the colors look the colors look yeah, really just, nice oh yeah just okay. one of our running jokes thank you i'm, I'm glad someone mentioned t1 so there yeah that was another t1. question i had is because you obviously have to redesign the connector for the uh, chip itself for that if I was, you're keeping the satellite I, I was checking with brandon and to make sure that i was understanding all the differences between the original 6847 and the T1. So the T1, obviously, that's the later one that added true lowercase characters with the senders. Mm -hmm. And it added some some more uh, border modes. You know, you can, you can do a little Inverse bit more video and... colors. Yeah. So uh, I've already encoded the, the character set of the T1. So interestingly, the only place I could find, you know, the picture of how to draw the characters that you burnt, you know, you put into the ROM inside is, right. is in the T1's data sheet. So I originally, I made the T1 character set, and then I found out that, hey, things are shifted by two scan lines and yes. some weird little details there. And Yeah, they made room for the descenders, and it actually screwed up some of the old semi-graphics games like Protectors 2 that use those to draw waving yeah, and stuff because yeah. everything's shifted off. So what you want to do is you want to default to the old character sets so that all those things work, but have a way for the user to just toggle into the, the T1 mode and with lowercase if they want to. So that's another, that's another thing that I'm going to work through is, uh, you know, how to, how to allow the, the mode shift and, and then how to, how to save that configuration setting so that, you know, you're not always having to go Every time you power up the cocoa, you know, try to re-enter that. Well, just how about uh, we how about thing, we take a uh, real quick survey here? How many people think that's important? I think that's a waste of resources trying to support that functionality. Myself, um, I, I, it's like if I was gonna, I'm I'm ready to buy this right now. I'm not gonna say, oh wait, you're not supporting the T1. Forget it. I'm not buying it. You know what I mean? I don't think that's a deal maker or breaker. And if you okay. got, if you have more important things that you have to cross well, off your to do list, I would put this on the bottom myself. So. Uh, yeah, and, and a good point, too. That's a good point made because, you know, that's also just a software update. So, you know, that's a, that's the kind of thing that we could later say, hey, here's a new 
a yeah. new update and just you know re reflash with this new version. You know, I wouldn't one, get rid of it, the idea one. entirely because if you're running an old sign level one, for example, it looks so much nicer when you get true lowercase on the screen. So it'll let inverse video crap mm-hmm. for lowercase, but it doesn't have to be high ranked in getting it ready because you you can get by without it. Yeah. What's the other thing about the T1? The other thing about the T1. The pinout um, is different of the chip. That's it. So yeah, that's what I was mentioning. Yeah. There's something like I think it's six of the data pins just get swizzled. So you you need to um, need a way to maybe set a little jumper or set a configuration somewhere in in uh, in non-volatile memory, just you know to say this is a a T1 or a non-T1 socket that we're fitting into. So yeah, that's that's work that's going to be coming up in the next weeks and. But that's sort of more of, of one of the software kind of changes that uh, I don't think shouldn't affect the hardware in any way. Here's a real quick but, dumb question, but should this theoretically work in an MC10, which is also VDG-based? I would think so. Um, there's no SAM. I don't know if that makes a difference. Uh, oh, there's no SAM. So, it, okay, so there may be a slight... So there may be some tweaks for the spoofing okay. mode, and you know, I guess I would I would say, well, what does the Coco VGA support right now? Does it support the MC10? It, it certainly does, right? Uh, well, I've, we've seen it done. Robert Sieg has done it. He's had to take the, the the top off to get it to fit in there, but he has he has done it. Yeah, and there's been a few dragons I've seen that have had you know the kind of hack arounds to get like the Steve mentioned earlier with the satellite board stacking up sockets type thing to to get it out of the way okay. of the chips. Uh, in the live chat, what I don't too, know um, is if if. Pilot's mentioning that the T1 controls RAM also on the VDG T1, I guess. I, I don't know anything about that, so okay. T1 controls RAM. Okay, I, I'll have to dig into that. I um, bet it's the refresh strobe. The refresh. But Ed Snyder knows about it. T1 controls RAM. Okay, I'll check that. That that and that's something that I'm going to be testing. Um, You're saying the you know, RAM obviously. is piped through the T1. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if we need to get down that rabbit hole right now, though. But uh. yeah, so that that could be a that could be a complication. So uh, that that's one of the well, the things that needs to be tested and thought through. Um, yeah. Any other questions coming in from chat? Because I think this was the last picture that I needed to share. So, here. so I do. I just have a kind of logistics question about the buttons right now because I have a Coco VGA and I love it. Um, but I was actually asking Brendan, and, and by the way, his last name is pronounced Donahue, like with an E and not a Donahue, like Phil Donahue. Donahue. Um, but yeah. just um, so. Um, like right now, the way his buttons are, he's got a button that switches between the artifact modes and the reversing of the colors and stuff. But you, they're kind of situated in the back of the cocoa. And so in order to switch modes, you have to reach around, reach behind your cocoa to press those buttons, which logistically it just is not ergonomic or humanly, you know, practical. So if, to me, in my opinion, the, 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 the access to the buttons should be towards, you know, closer to the keyboard. And I was thinking somewhere on the side of the keyboard, like under the lip or something like that, where you could just kind of reach around the side of your cocoa and, and just press those two buttons um, not far away from the keyboard, but have them in a spot where you can't see them. So if you have to drill like two pinholes, they're facing down under a ridge that nobody would see um, or something like that. But to me, the access to those buttons 
uh, should be kind of ergonomically, intuitively sensible to how how you do that while you're playing games or using your Coco. Just two cents from me. Yes, and it, it has the button board, and uh, so I, you know, I, I guess that will add a little bit of cost. And I wonder if people would um, would care if it's if it's sort of like you know on the board. Here's the the jumper header where you can connect your button of choice. You know, connect two wires here. And then remotely locate the button wherever you'd like to, and that, yeah. and that way you could you could modify the case in any way you want. It's it's interesting that the first thought I had was to do exactly what you just said they did. I, I was thinking of you know follow the HDMI cable out the back and yeah. put a you know a couple of wires and a little button back there or a button board. Okay, and maybe but, maybe that maybe I'm just being a little whiny diva complaining about the fact that I have to yes. reach all oh, the sorry, way back there to, to do it. You know what I mean? Or, so, or, or maybe just say, you know, here are the, here are the pins on the, the main board where you pick up and, you know, you wire your buttons here. Yeah, if somebody wants to tap into that. locate them anywhere you'd yeah, like. Yeah, So um, That's fair. It's not the end of the world, but, you know, I got I mean, it. Would, it would also sort of, um, it, would, it, would, it would avoid adding some extra cost to everyone. If if not everyone wanted the the remote board or to you know didn't want yeah to no no, no. If it, it's, like, it's kind of like what uh, what and, some memory boards have done like where there's LEDs and switches on the memory boards where you could tap into them and make your own access to it if you want to yeah is, is yeah. it too hard know, to some, make there might be someone who wants to put a button in in the location of the channel three four switch. And then bring the micro HDMI out of the the old RF output hole. Right, right, right. So you know they could do it that way, or you know Stevie, you could you know put a little hole in the the bottom right side of of the case over to the right of the keyboard and put a little button there. Yeah. Well, how hard would it be just to have a keyboard sequence like a Control K oh. or Control R? Do those switches? Well, we'll have to talk to a software person that knows. You know, you'd have to have something running in. You know, you'd have to load a little. I assume you'd have to have a little assembly program tucked away in RAM CSR, that would, right. would monitor for that. Okay. Yeah, you'd probably have to do like a three key sequence because I mean, in OS nine, most of the control and alt keys are already defined for you know built-in stuff on there. So we'd have to make it a fairly unique sequence. But it could be done um, to have the keyboard do the switching. It sounds like it could be done. You know, the the Coco VGA does a lot of things. In the uh, in the vertical refresh time period, where it, it looks for um, like new palette uh, settings a, and a combination. Yeah. I think there's a combination lock sequence yeah. that you can you can open, and then you can you can do configuration type of things and mode change type of things, and then you know get in and get out, and you don't even disturb the the video frame. So I think things would be things like that would be possible, but I'm not there yet. And but it, you know it would be those would be things that a software person could help me out with in the future. Right, right, yeah. And I, I might be in the minority, and I'm I'm just kind of thinking out loud. But it's it's I don't think that should be a deal breaker, and I don't think that should be a feature creep that would slow you down from just getting this thing to the finish line. You know. Yeah. I will mention Retro Rewind mentions. Right. Uh, he says although my Coco hardware knowledge is a bit limited, could you not intercept keystrokes? He says he does it with the C64 and the Amiga all the time. Uh, by intercepting the matrix via the connector, the keyboard connector itself, I'm assuming he's talking about there. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Sure, you you could monitor that. Yeah, right. Like if you go like you know four four certain pins are setting, you know that these four keys are simultaneously hit or something. It's maybe it's a little more convenient. I think it's more convenient hardware wise on the C sixty four because it's a it's a nineteen pin header, and you could put a little um, a little board in between the the keyboard uh, header and the board header. But you know with the Coco you have this flex ribbon. Yeah. And yeah. We don't want to muck with that, and we don't want to mess that up. So it, it would be a little harder to tap in on the Coco's uh, main board. Okay. Now, this has been 100% your baby right now, you, other than you're asking questions, but yeah. you've been doing all the designing and engineering and everything else. and Yeah, all the way. That's um, amazing. It, thanks. It's, just, it's a lot of hours of <laughs> commitment, and it's taken a while. Uh, so, but, so you're yeah. helping out. Is it kind of gone a little overboard. <laughs> helping and, out did i promise and, to help out yeah <laughs> you've you've helped out uh, oh like, yeah remember you, earlier you said you were talking about helping out with uh Ed yeah and brendan <laughs> i i was hoping that you know they had uh that there was a, bo a board person ready to go and that they just needed a little help with some testing or yeah so my there, uh, is, there out, is a guy named ac <laughs> yeah, there's that guy. We'll have to tap on him at some point. So, yeah, awesome that, work, man. I've, I've seen your video too, and uh, and I think what you're doing Thank is you. awesome. Thank you very much. Well, then let. Good, good. Well, so uh, so that's what I had to show. Um, it didn't mean to take so much of your no, time. No, that's fine. It's but, very interesting. Uh, it's completely yeah, interesting. Make, make sure uh, for the people listening here that haven't watched it yet, please watch his video on YouTube they released this morning that kind of gives the update on the project with some some other details too, uh, so. can we get uh, marco to right. throw that link out there in the live chat if he hasn't done so already or just remind people of that link yeah, throw it to the top of the segment but i'll do it again yeah throw it out there again since we're as we're closing that out thank you marco uh, um that, one other thing that someone might be able to help me out with is i've never sold a thing in my life <laughs> so um i don't know i really don't know how to um you know, logistically, how to put this up for sale? I was sort of thinking, maybe uh, you know, grab a, a server space for a site on Google Sites, right? And then maybe just have a order page and a link that sort of kicks you over to PayPal or something like that. Um, that's about as far as my imagination could. Well, there's there's could. people I, I can, who I can help you with that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of folks who have websites up already. So like Jason does. I know Ed Snyder does. I know uh, Paul Fiscarelli does. Um, oh yeah. So there's a handful of people that are selling things through a different through a few different services. Plus, it depends uh, if you decide to go with a partner for doing like a more mass manufacturing style thing. They might already have that set up as it is if they're being manufactured. Aboard. Yeah, I think that's True. that's that's going to be the least challenging part of all of this. Once you're ready to sell it, you know, finding a way to to, to sell online is pretty easy in the 21st century. Yeah, you'll be swatting so, away the money like flies yeah. eventually. So. Um. Oh, I I might be able to buy <laughs> one of those Matchbox Lamborghinis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, my my only uh, hope would be that. Uh, by just building a few more in a lot that, you know, we could share the Yeah, and, costs and, and I, I, to... I'm pretty sure we can say with 90% certainty there would be dozens, if not hundreds of people who would be happy, happy to help crowdsource some of that financing for you. And I consider myself one of them. So um, I'm sure there's lots okay. of people who would, who would be more than happy to help share that burden. Cool, cool. Well, that, that definitely helps. Because uh, as you know, you know, when you make the first three of a thing, 
those three items can can just be really expensive. And then there's all the hours of development, and then there's the future upgrades and some right right and uh, jim brain's another guy who's got a website that sells stuff too so he'd be another person you could tap into when you're ready to do the whole now for people who have technical questions or want to help you on the technical side of things or just learn more about it uh is there a certain discord channel on the coco discord that you've been using to discuss this thing or or that you think they should use there's really not one that uh that fits it where i i don't feel so maybe we need to make one you know where i don't feel like i'm <laughs> oh encroaching on some other you know like you know there's coco vga uh that's similar but i i sort of felt bad um though well you know, though there will probably be well, there's a general hardware I guess. yeah well Whatever. we we should probably make a coco dv channel because this is now a project like there's a coco vga channel there's a gimme x channel so this is a project this is going to be a product it should probably try to have its own channel this will really help solve the Coco Discord uh, channel. Yeah, we were problem. we've been struggling with try- <laughs> yeah. we've been struggling with ideas on how to come up with channels to talk about things, and so you're definitely There's helping us there. There's not enough diversity of channels no, there, no, so yeah, not at definitely all. we need so. to add. A, yeah, we we could have about ten more on this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So if anyone has any further questions, don't hesitate. Send them my way. Uh, if if there are uh, like someone brought up th- that. Uh, the T1 does this extra little thing. If you had certain test cases that, uh, you know, corner cases that are some of the things that, that would, you know, need to work, let me know what, you know, how to test for that. And uh, those, that kind of help would, would go a long way to make sure that, that it has all the features it needs to have. And I would appreciate that. Okay, so under memory and display, I'm, I'm doing it right now. So what do you want to call this one? Uh, Coco DV? Coco, yeah, Coco. If, if that's descriptive enough for everyone to know what that means, or Coco Digital Video, if you if you have room for the whole yeah the, the whole word or whatever, yeah, or Coco okay. HDMI Coco, or something, yeah. Okay, cool. Co- Coco Digital Video, it's in there, it's in there. So you may uh, Discord okay. away. <laughs> All right. Hey, well, thanks for thanks for stopping by, Alan, and giving us that that update and then uh, you know, answering all the questions. Sure thing. Thanks, thanks Curtis. Thanks for having me. Oh yeah, thanks for being here. Definitely appreciate that. And uh, it's amazing that um, it seems like Sept Handy uh, last year was almost like a renaissance, and uh, new people coming to the community and coming to the hobby, and then bringing stuff. You know, br- just bringing the pain or bringing the thunder. You know, like we had um, Sloopy joined us not too long ago, and he had never owned a Cocoa before. He's an Atari guy, and he's working on a drive wireless wi-fi board and and all kinds of other things and you know you you've come here and you figured out problems with the uh cassette you know which if only david ladd could be here to, to share his enthusiasm like what, how you found the waveform problem with the with the rom settings and the cassette settings and stuff and so this kind of new blood that's come in and just kind of kicked the door open and just brought so much value and excitement is uh Something I never would have predicted. Every now and then, I keep thinking, okay, when are we gonna plateau? You know, when are we gonna when are we gonna hit the ceiling, and when do we start to nosedive again? And it just it just doesn't seem to happen. Just when you thought you've seen it all and imagined it all, and it's all been produced, this new ideas and new things keep coming. That's just it's awesome. You know, it's crazy. It, it's it's great that it's something you can never stop learning more about. So um, if I ever get through this, I want to learn more about assembly programming on the sixty eight hundred nine. So. Yeah. This is a never never ending amount of things that you can can do. 
Yeah, and that's that's been big on my list because I know I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Is like you know why why don't we have HDMI? Because I don't I didn't understand and and so now we're we're almost there and so um, that's very very cool. As stuff. Nick Morantes is fond of saying, uh, you know, we kind of joke between each other for all the development we're doing on the software side because we're constantly busy with multi projects at the same time. We should have picked a debtor computer because then we'd have free time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, far out, we've been joined by John Schaller of the Amigos Retro Gaming Group, Boat of Cars here. Hey, John, how are you? I'm doing just fine, sir. I've been away for a couple of weeks, but I'm glad to be back. I picked a great week to come back. What an announcement. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, I, I do want to try to wrap the show up by 5 o'clock today because I've got some home projects I have to work on that are not Cocoa related. So we've got about an hour and a half left. So why don't we jump right into news? And then time permitting, after news, then we'll try to handle project updates and acquisitions. Um, so we're not going to take a commercial break. We're just going to keep the value-added content just rolling, rolling, rolling. So L. Curtis Boyle, are you ready for news with L. Curtis Boyle? I, I will first take a, a view from the panel here. If you guys want to vote, you got one game on news first or regular news first? Get the regular news out of the way. <laughs> well, okay, so... We're going to do regular news. So uh, I'm not this. Let's just um, we're not even going to do the infographic or anything else. Just jump into the news, Curtis. And now it's news with the L. Curtis Boyle. Yeah, seen that? We're seeing it. Okay. So the first one is something I don't normally cover in news. I don't normally cover, you know, people just buying a, a lot or whatever type thing. But this was a bit unique. Uh, Anthony Kelly this past week, and he only got it for coffee money. The person was going to give this away completely for free, this entire set of cocoa stuff. And he kind of had to insist, take something. So he gave him what he called coffee money. So not much. And basically hey, listen, coffee, coffee is like a eight, nine dollars a cup now. So come on. Yeah. Well, does that look worth eight or nine dollars to you? No, 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 not at all. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Audio I mean, spectrum a... analyzer right there. Boom. Sold. <laughs> yeah. And he's got a he's got a multi pack. He's got a, a Cocoa one with an HDL 57 upgrade. Oh, keyboard. look at he's that keyboard. Parallels uh, printer interface. He's got manuals. He's got cartridges discs books uh, getting switches what is that a botox switch now a botex switch what's going on there yeah that's that's the uh, parallel printer port for the okay we got, uh, oh, we got some deluxe joysticks we got cables out the wazoo cartridges books binders floppy holders looks like even the original warranty cards down there in the lower right oh yeah look at that yep. uh, some of the and receipts and whatnot yeah that's yeah good, good luck getting no service now but uh, yeah right He's got an appliance light controller there beside the joysticks. Uh, any see? battery of the month club cards in there by any chance? So. Uh, let me see. Here. <laughs> this label. is another thing he got. He got a flatbed plotter printer with it. That's Holy rare. That's crap. not easy to get. Oh. It weighs four tons. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not. Hey, you've got one of those, one. don't you, Ron? I had one. I had one. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, that's that's a rare item just by itself that people yeah. would normally sell on eBay for hundreds of dollars. And he got this for, like he said, coffee money. Coffee Basically, money. he was offered for free the whole lot. I'm just jealous. Look at all dollars. these binders. Disc Edtasm, Disc Scripsit, uh, Color <laughs> Disc Spectaculator, and Disc Graphics, MC6809 Cookbook. That's a tab book. 
6809 programming manual down here on the right hand side. Color scripts it. Yes. So yeah, that was a wicked haul. So I wanted to point that out that you know prices of cocoa threes in particular, yeah. but cocoas in general have been going you know, up. Lately. it's like every it's, once in a while you can get lucky. I, and I, I I follow a lot of different groups, uh, you know, console groups and vintage groups and stuff like that. And every now and then you get these people that just show the picture of the haul. Oh yeah, I just got this today for for five dollars. You're thinking, yeah, I'm calling shenanigans on that claim. But you know, every now and then it does happen. Um, where somebody yeah. just gets the mother load for nothing or next to nothing. Which I, is, I view uh, this as the equivalent of winning a lottery. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this and, is... And, uh, and none of these items were filled with any type of soap powder? Or no anything? soap powder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ken, Jason, Ken, your brother says, this is beat your hamvention haul. <laughs> oh, I, I, guess it, I guess it does. But does it beat the $5 Coco 3 at VCF Midwest for $5? Uh, well, that I was just so. soap powder. Yes, that, yes. that pen plotter is probably worth as much as a Coco 3. Yeah, he's got like three Cocos in here. And multi. yeah, I would say this is... Uh, I would say it beats it. The, the biggest bang for the buck we've seen in the 21st century, probably right here. So... Awesome like challenge. That sounds like a challenge. Home of beer, right? So yeah. <laughs> Does that mean you're giving away Coco Threes for free, uh, Jason? Is that what uh, you're saying? No, 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 no. Yeah, and then you notice here it says shared his first post. So it's like, welcome to the Facebook group. Look at all the crap I got, and you guys don't. <laughs> so many people have been looking at this stuff for years. I know yeah. I got it pretty well for a cup of coffee. Yeah, cup of coffee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're just all jealous there. Yeah, that's awesome. We bought him at least two cups of coffee for that. <laughs> Roger that. All right. <laughs> Ken says we should ban him. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, next up, uh, the Coco Crew released their 70th episode. So congratulations on the 70. They had an interesting interview with uh, Kevin Phillipson and Michael Rywalt. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing their names right. Who did the Turbo Nine project we discussed on here about a month or two ago? They're kind of doing the, the emulated, not emulated, but FBJ version of the same time. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is one of the rare times that the Coco Cruise actually put out a video uh, uh, as part of kind of part of the episode um, as a separate video, but it's 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 linked to the tech talk. Okay. And it's a technique that I thought more people had done because I've been doing this for years myself. Uh, he's using Google Docs in this case. I use like LibreOffice or Excel, but you can basically paint with the background colors. You can paint the grids and uh, you know basically design sprites and stuff, and then yeah. you can you resize it with the zoom size and whatever to make it look like actual pixel. I pixel zooming up type thing. So I did you, my you, fonts. Yeah. I did my fonts for Cosmic Aliens this way. I just broke it down and you know made a spreadsheet with small yeah. grids yeah. and design on that way. Yeah. So it, it kind of struck me that you know maybe we haven't really mentioned this. Maybe some people haven't thought of doing this. So I mean, you can get spreadsheets for free. Yeah. That do this kind of background colors. You can actually match up the RGB values so they exactly match what will show up on the Cocoa screen. So you can get the exact colors and stuff. Mm-hmm. And if it's a bit easier for you to do it this way in a modern machine versus trying to do it in, you know, Color Max or Coco Max or, or whatever else on, on the original hardware, then this is an option for you. So he has a video kind of explaining it. He actually gets a little bit fancier, too. He has the embedded, uh, you know, values of the bit values for each of the colors to map on the screen itself, too. I, d- I haven't usually done that myself. I usually just use it for design. Yeah. But that's actually just a good idea I hadn't thought yeah. of. So. Yeah, visually. It makes it look... Yeah. Anyway, they're pretty, pretty cool. Cool, pretty cool way to do things. If people don't know about that technique, uh, well, there's a nice twenty or twenty-minute uh, video explaining it. Very cool. Next up, uh, Mike Provancha has got his third video showing his progress with getting ICS calendars. These are the ones used by iCal and, and various new modern platforms working on the Coco over DriveWire. But he's now got it importing the events into the MultiView calendar app. So I'll just fast forward a little bit. There's MultiView, one of his custom. Uh, 
color sets that he did for us or for EOU. And then he's got this it's a set of utilities that get run together as part of a batch script with pipes and stuff. And it actually will allow you to either use saved calendars you've saved on your Cocoa, say your Cocoa SDC, or you can pull them over the web from DriveWire. And he actually shows in here, like he pulled in one calendar of holidays, but it didn't have all the holidays. So he found a second calendar to add the other ones. And then he actually imported that. And what it does is it'll merge them together, checks to make sure there's no duplicates. If there are, it strips them out. And he actually made a merge calendar that actually had all this stuff in it. Mm. So, uh, so ahead here. I don't know that was. yeah so he's got you he did some personal Fred's stuff here. birthday so he did a few like yeah his his own birthday basically yeah, he did a few uh samples there of, of stuff you do within multiview it's a calendar itself and then he does the uh import ads and you can kind of see in the background here uh, you know he's got the lunar new year lunar the president's yeah president's day, day ash wednesday day. yeah so is and this basically, you can just in? bring these in. And if you live update a calendar on the web, or there's a calendar on the web that you're live updating, or if you have your own version that you do for your own internal home stuff, you can actually just drop it onto DriveWire, and it'll bring it in. And the actually one nice thing he showed on here, I won't play the whole video, but go watch it, is that the the MultiView calendar does live. Like, OS9 allows shared files. So he had the original calendars imported, and then he'd show a certain month, and it would show a couple of items on it. Then he'd import another calendar. All he had to do was switch months and go back, and then the calendar would automatically refresh it. So you didn't even have to quit the app and you could actually get the updated calendar events. And what he's working on now is he's actually going to be setting it up to be able to handle alarms. So you can actually have timed events, not just all day events like he has now. And you can actually have the OS9 system actually start beeping an alarm to tell you, you know, this is starting in five minutes. So you can actually have like live, you know, actual reminders and stuff like you have on modern smartphones, et cetera, with audio so, cues. So Curtis, I, apo I apologize if you mentioned this. Is this going to be in the next version of EOU? Um... It depends how far he gets before our deadline at the end of April. So mm. we're going to try to get as much of this. Like he's got a newer version of calendar that will be included on EOU for sure. As well as the very newest control panel he did. Uh, the far as the ICS sharing, if he's got it far enough along that he's comfortable with it, yeah, then yes, it will. Otherwise, it'll be released on the next one after that. It'd be nice if you can get it to push the uh, the updates. Like back if you made them in MultiView calendar and then send them back to your PC or Mac or whatever. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. How are you getting the calendar over to the into into the Coco? Well, basically, it takes the ICS files themselves, and it just imports based on that. So you can download that onto the Coco locally and just run it locally, so you're not on the net at all. Or you can go over the drive. Okay, wire so Frederick connection. just responded, says, "I don't think I'll be ready for the next version of EOU." Okay, we'll have the new version of calendar, so you kind of get a sneak preview. You need to come on the show sometime, Frederick. Love to have yeah, you. Yeah, Fred, you you do. <laughs> yeah, and everybody's welcome to join the show too. Even underachievers like me. Um, that, that's cool. Yeah, we let, we let John Lowry on here. What the hell has he ever done? Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool stuff. Yeah. And he does say, yes, you potentially could push updates, and sure, he'll be on the show. So maybe when he's ready to, to demonstrate the, the final one of uh, the one that getting as far as he wants, or maybe even with the push stuff in there, we'll get him on to kind of demonstrate it and explain it. Neat. Next one up, uh, Brian Schubring did a, this is one of the longest teaser videos I think I've ever seen in my life. So he said this is a teaser of his MIDI setup preview. Like we kind of talked, he was going to do that uh, yeah. series on his MIDI hardware. Yeah. And I, I don't know if 20 minutes qualifies as just a teaser. It's a pretty long teaser. But anyway, is, is Brian still on the call? Because he can just kind of do a quick summary of what uh, yeah, this I'm video here. is and what's coming up. Am I coming through? You're coming through, Brian. Yeah, you're low. How low Is that better? Go? It's good enough. 
Yeah, good. All right. Yeah, it's just I know uh, a lot of the folks out there, you know, you know, here on the show and then also on the other videos, kind of get little teasers of seeing the stuff in the background and whatnot. And I just wanted to kind of show, you know, exactly what what I have. And I actually made a little bit more presentable. You know, had that little uh, chart. You know, if you get, go a little bit forward, yeah, right there, and that, and you know, that's basically, you know, the all the equipment that I've got over here to the side. And is your wire management just as neat uh, in the actual space as this diagram here is? It's getting better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, let me close a couple windows here and switch here. There we go. And oh, do you want me to stop sharing so you can show oh, us? No, don't, don't worry about it. Ignore. Yeah, no, no I, I've got it. And um, yeah, it, it, that just shows what I have in the rack and, you know, in, in the mixer, how, how I got everything hooked up, you know, so that there is a logical pr presentation of how I have my system right now hooked up mm -hmm. and pretty much why it get, it gives me a lot of flexibility for doing, you know, certain things um, and that so that I can you know, have an input either from a keyboard, you know, regular piano keyboard um, from the Coco from my PC and as um, being shown here, um, you know, but I was showing VCV rack, which is actually just single channel, but because of the, uh, you can make it as complex as you want. You can have multiple inputs, so you can have each distinct channel. Um, so it's so you can uh, simulate polyphonic in that, um, but it, it'll still only do one note at a time for each channel. And it's, you know, it's it's a it's a free software in that. Um, so you can you know set everything. Oh up. my God! Look at this patch panel going on. Yeah, I, I, I uh... had to put that together on the fly, literally in a matter of like an hour, or heck, not even an hour. Um, I just simply copied you know one of the ones there and just did and I did something a little bit different with a different patch panel that I uh, found and just put something together and it just creates a different sounds and I just simply took and uh, did uh, Mr. Ed uh, TV show theme. And just just to kind of simulate, and you know, I did some. If you want to play that, you can kind of. Everybody can hear it. Are you you know, where about the the audio starts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, the, the... Do you play it in the video here? I can't remember. Yeah, I did. Was it back there where you had all the patch panel stuff? Yeah, it was, yeah, it's. You can hear that. Yeah. I like the uh, visualization. Anyway, yeah, that gives you more of an idea. You know, I've just got. You're a, you're an animal, Brian. You're just a freaking. <laughs> you're a yeah, music animal. machine, man. You're a music freaking machine, dude. Yeah, you know, I, I just wanted to kind of put it out there that you know, hey, you know, you don't have to have a lot of money. You don't, and you know, as long as you've got just the basics, and that you can use software like that. If you have a PC, doesn't matter if it's a Mac, Linux or windows mm -hmm. it, that software will do it and it's free and that so you know i, I just want to kind of put it out there and say hey 
Here's another option for you. You don't have to have a keyboard. And this is still controlled also... by the Coco, though. Like the Coco's generating the MIDI yeah. and the Windows. Now, is that real? Is that, is that, is that real hardware? Or is that an emulated? Um... That's emulated. Okay. So the emulated Coco running Ultimuse is talking. No, no, no. That's the real Coco. That's the real Coco. Okay. That's so you... the real Coco. So you have a real Coco talking to an emulated keyboard running on your PC, and then it's doing exactly. the MIDI over drive wire to that PC. No, not through DriveWire. It's direct through the uh, USB. Oh, um, uh, USB cable. to MIDI cable. Yes, exactly. I, I have. So you don't have that... to buy an actual synth if you don't yeah, have the money. So you, you just yeah, if you don't even download the free software. You get the adapter cable, yeah. and you're you're ready to go. USB yeah, MIDI this cable. Is similar to... And is that yeah, this the? Is similar to what? Uh... I'm, I'm sorry, Steve. Is that the dins like the MIDI dins that are coming out of the USB yeah. port? Okay. Yeah. Um. It's it's just a, it's a uh, what I have is a uh, MIDI sport. Uh, it's an older one. Um, it's you know, USB has uh, two in, two out, mm -hmm. and that. So, because you have to keep them separate, otherwise you get a loop. If you try to go in and out on the same channel, so and that, so it's kind of get a little goofy. In that, if you're trying to do too much on the same port, um, unless it can separate the in and the out exclusively, and some ports don't do that very well, so. But otherwise, yeah, that's it's just an example of uh, some of the stuff that, that you can do. And, you know, I just the sounds, you know, I didn't tweak the sounds too much on that on the on that. And but you can get some pretty weird sounds if you really wanted to. <laughs> no, that's really neat. Yeah. And this is in the newsletter, too, by the way. So thanks for sending me that link to your channel. I'm making sure oh. we're getting we're letting everybody. And know. this is going to be the start of a series of videos on explaining yep. how to do this kind yep. of stuff, too. So keep keep your eye on his YouTube page here for. Uh... Yeah, and the, the comments are now turned on, folks. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know who was uh, there. Yeah, about that. no problem. How are you? Let, have, how could you let them know the comments weren't working if you couldn't leave them a comment? Mind control. <laughs> I'm psychic. There you go, Barry Nelson. Yeah, so this is a, I know some, it's a fairly simple machine language routine to detect if you have a 689 or 639 CPU, but for people that don't program in the same language, it's not that easy. So just to give a quick thing, if people want to check to make sure they've got a 639, because especially some of the people that have been buying 639s have been getting burned that they're basically 689s remarked when they're ordering from China. So this is a quick way you can just download this disk image from the Coco group on Facebook that Barry Nelson wrote, and it'll just tell you, do you have a 639 or a 689 installed? Is that the old one that's in the utilities section? This is one he just uploaded. This is something so I, he wrote in basic. So, yeah. Well, isn't uh, the one, the other one is basic too, I think. Because, well, yeah, because, um, well, what is it? When you Sock first Masters. boot. Sock Master did one? Okay. Um, oh, wait, wait, there's another one now. Yeah. And then, because <laughs> I know when you first boot up the Coco SDC, does it tell you if you have a 6309 as well? But that's not basic that does that, right? I don't remember. No, I know it tells you if you have a Coco does. 3 or not. It does. It does tell you, yeah. Okay. Uh, no, but it's neat to know. Matter of fact, yeah. and that, that, I don't know if you have this queued up, but that, le that leads into a question that was posted on Facebook this week. Like, hey, I, I think it was Michael Pitsley or somebody says, I bought a tube of 6309s. I got like 10 of them. And what's the, what's the good, bad, or indifferent of putting a 6309 in a Coco 1 or 2? And that discussion took place. And I think it was about half and half. I, I was actively involved in that discussion. Yeah. Okay. So you set you set the record <laughs> straight. Hopefully. Yes. There is right. advantages. I mean, other than the fact that it runs at ten percent the power and runs cooler, which means you're not overheating the rest of your chips in your system because you're mm. not getting the ambient heat. 
is that uh, there is Nitrous 9 level 1. Now, one thing I did discover is that apparently the Nitrous 9 level 1 609 version, which is optimized for faster graphics and text and the whole system, basically. Basecode 9 is also optimized as well. Um, that one is not on the official download site. It's on the nightly builds, even though it hasn't changed in years. And it's stable. I mean, we did the Coco VGA drivers for it. Also, if you have a Coco VGA, the 609 definitely speeds up the 64 column by about 200%. Ah. So there's definitely reasons for that. And plus, I mean, there's more and more games getting converted to 639 or, you know, enabling native mode and stuff too, as, as we go through and, and patch some of the older ones. So there's, there'll be more software coming out, but there is, you know, half a dozen to a dozen games now that can use a 639 on a Coco one or two. And Nitrosine level one does have a native 6309 version that runs faster all the way across the board. And that's available on the net repositories on the uh, game. Yeah, and when you did some of your game optimizations, you ha you did some where you just optimized them, but th weren't there some that were optimized for 6309 on the Coco 1 and 2 too? That's more, up the more have been optimized for 6309 than the 609. There was more 6309. Yeah, okay. And I think I yeah. tried some of those. Like, wasn't one of them the um, the Akari Warriors type game? Was that one of them? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Russian Assault. Russian Assault. Gantlet. Yeah, Marble yeah. Madness, um, and that and that was just real quick optimizations you did. You didn't like, yes. you know, re, but yeah. So they the, were patched in place. The, the potential to gain, further. but some of them are literally color car actions. Another one. I mean, some yeah. of them are literally running two to three times faster than the in skiing. Some of those you games just, you did skiing too, right? Where you like doubled the frame rate on yeah. that and made that, or well, not the frame rate, but doubled the the frame the was rendering locked. speed. So yeah. it looks smoother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's frame locked that particular frame locked. one, so it yeah. doesn't run faster, but it runs smoother. The graphics look smoother. And there'll be more of those coming once I get some time to. Get right. Back so, there. so it's probably an easier question. Is there anything? Is there any reason not to put one in? The only one we hit is that one game on challenge where the there was an illegal instruction, which was and that was the an, um, air trap. That was the um, uh, the the death trap tank game, right? Uh, was it? I can't was remember it that now. one. I don't remember. Or was it grabber? Maybe. Grabber. Oh, it was grabber. Grabber. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there's one other one. I think bugs. Two, which we haven't added the game on challenge, but that's one that also had an illegal instruction, which actually looks like that was because somebody, when they cracked the game protection off of it, they screwed up on the six eight nine. They just got lucky; it skips over the bad instruction. Six eight nine trapped it. It wasn't part of copy protection. It was a bad dump, basically. Okay. But we patched it, and that works now too. So, Ben Drakes has joined us. Explore VR, hey Ben. Also, I mentioned uh, in the comments there, Fred Provence is working on that uh, ICS import for multiview. He said, pushing updates online is a feature plan for further down the line. So he is planning on supporting both push and pull of live calendar dates. Okay. Okay, next up. This is a, a new one, a new channel to me, the Mike Cooler Brothers. And he did a quick video called 80s Technology Adventures. So he's definitely more of a modern person, but he actually broke out the old Coco 1 here, or Coco 2, sorry. Hooked it up to an old CRT TV which makes it kind of unreadable. But he just kind of goes through and gets, you know, basic running, kind of explains that, you know, basics built in. You can just power it up. He actually demonstrates saving loading to a cassette as well. And then he actually, at the very end, he drew their little uh, logo in uh, E-Mode 3, which is kind ah, of obviously on the TV. that's but cool. That's it's just cool. interesting that another new channel that discovered the Coco and decided to, you know, whip out a quick little video on, on using it and, and mentioned the fact uh, that... Quick, let's file a copyright strike against them. Quick. <laughs> yes. Um... Anyway, pretty cool. So he's, he's kind of new to the Coco scene, so I'll try to get in contact with him and see if we can maybe get him on the show or, you know, kind of discussing how he got into the Coco and stuff. Cool. Ooh, Next look at after this. That, look how clean this, that is. Yeah, this is uh, Robert Sieg. He's, this is his MC10, so I'm assuming at this point he might be running on... He's the one who has the Coco VJ hooked up yeah, to his MC10. Yeah, could right? be that or so a super clean be, composite mod. 
I, I'm guessing this might be the VJ. This looks even cleaner than that the opposite. That is gorgeous. So this is another update to his 24-bit BMP to MCX32 uh, 128 by 96 by 4 color, uh, basically P-Mode 1 MC10 graphics converter. And this is one he's been gradually speeding up as we've been progressing through the last couple of months. And I think he started at six hours per render. Now he's got it down to about 25 minutes of screen. And then this is also where he's using the MCX to be able to fast load the screen. Okay. So he's actually showing, basically he took the same image and he re-rendered it with different brightness levels to bring it out in the four color mode. Okay. So he kind of cycles through a few of these here to, to show you what the different screens look like. But this is loading off the MCX 32. So you can see how fast that can load as well. Mm -hmm. Ooh. You can see you're going through the different brightness levels as it brings it forward yeah. and back. But that MCX loads pretty fast. So, I mean, you can oh, actually yeah. do like a, a video, a live video type thing like we've done on the Cocoa before. Yeah. On an MC10. That is pretty cool. He's doing some amazing things at Robert Sieg. Yeah, I mean, he literally is giving Jim Gary some competition. He does the more serious things, of course, not just games, but uh, cool stuff. We'll get into another MC, or the MC10 game in the game section here, but... Uh, and this was a more of a question on the dragon group, but it wasn't something I was overly familiar with too. So I'm glad it got commented on. What's the difference between a dragon 64 and a Draco 64? Have you guys heard of the Draco 64? I know the answer to this one. The Draco doesn't have an N after the O. <laughs> Thank you for your illuminating <laughs> tech talk there, Steve. Um, I believe the Draco 64 also turns into a bat. <laughs> it wants to suck your blood, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, the Transylvania I'm surrounded by morons. I'm sorry, folks. And wouldn't it be pronounced Draco, technically? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Is it just At any a... rate, basically what it does is it converts a Dragon 32 into a Coco. And you can make it switchable. So it switches the ROM, and it also remaps the keyboard on the fly when you do the switch. So you can actually run Coco-specific software in the Dragon or Dragon-specific software on the Dragon. So it opens up the library without, you know, on, on a lot of keyboard-based games, because of the keyboard mapping is different right. on the PIA, you might hit a J key and you get a F or something instead. So this basically solves that problem. Which I, I didn't know that existed really, so that was kind of no. cool. So. so so you're saying that the Draco is a Coco mod, so like Dragon Coco, Draco, Dragon Coco. Yeah, that, it's uh, it's both. It's, it's it's not like I've seen some other people do projects where they've replaced the ROMs and swapped the keyboard wiring to make it operate like a Coco, so you can take the Dragon hardware <laughs> with nice keyboard. We, we have a few other uh, uh, some theories here from live chat. So Ken Reichard says the Draco, uh, like Draco Malfoy from Harry Potter, says it's powered by Slytherin magic, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then Daddy Burrito says it's a specialized hardware to run the old draconian games. <laughs> uh. So a cool projects. Like I said, I've seen people do, I think Henry Wrightfeld did one where he, he put a special ROM and a special keyboard connector into the Dragon to make it run like a Coco. But this is a switchable one that you can just switch it between the two whenever you want. So you want to play a Dragon native game with the native keys without having to reprogram it. There you go. Now I want to play a Cocoa-specific version with Cocoa-specific keys. Just flip the switch and you're done. I'm a dragon. So I'm theoretically, you could do the same, obviously, in the Cocoa itself. If you want to play some of the dragon games that haven't been you know, ported over for the key key sequences and stuff. Now, what would the catchy name for that one be? The, we already got the Draco oh, for the dragon Cocoa. Cocoa and Drag, I would call it. Cocoa and Drag. <laughs> okay, we'll have to work on a catchy name for that project. Okay. <laughs> 
So anyway, that's the end of the regular news. So do you want to do a break? No, no breaking. We are just going full speed ahead. Uh, Mr. Sulu, Warp Factor 9. Hold your bladders, everyone. That's it. We're going to ludicrous speed before we hit plaid. Um, So keep it rolling, L. Curtis Boyle, with Game On News. Okay. Where is my Game On News? The world needs to know what's going on in the world of Coco Gaming. Uh, They skipped this crap. (laughs) (laughs) Also in the newsletter. Thank you. Okay, so first up, we've got uh, the second blog entry for Zero Hour by Nick. And Nick, uh, rather than me spout on about it, do you want to just quickly update us on what, what was new? Uh, yeah, to the second uh, chapter. Basically, um, uh, the level design is what I cover here. So I spent a fair bit of time creating the tiles uh, that the game will use. And then the uh, level editor, which I wrote in basic, allows me then to create the levels of uh, each level and, and therefore design the game. So no actual code is yet. So nothing's actually running as far as far as the game's concerned. It's all the design and planning stage at the moment. The screenshots there show the little level editor that I wrote. Mm-hmm. And I've spent a lot of time going through the levels of which there is 13 different levels I've done. So I've tried to get a bit of a, a, a mechanical look to the each of the screens. Mm-hmm. This, now, this looks like a, a donut factory. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's 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 a uh, it's a mashup between my donut dilemma and my Rupert Rhythm. Actually, this game. In, so, in Nick's yeah, case, it's yeah. a money factory because every game he makes just, just <laughs> makes him money. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> actually, that's not far off because there is a casino in here. So ah, okay. But have you created the title screen already? Uh yes. <laughs> well yeah well the graphics for it anyway but um so a lot of, a lot of the levels uh, like curtis was saying there do have are a bit of a mini game in themselves that's what i've tried to do so i've spent a lot of time designing that and uh breaking news next week i'll have the next chapter up so i've got some i've actually got code running now that will show off the uh, ah. the background. Well, the backgrounds will be drawn up in the machine code now. Okay. But there's also a special effect I keep I keep harking on about, teasing about that I'll uh, be showing off next week, hopefully in the show. Nice. So is this this is going to run on uh, Coco one two three MC ten all together. Well, if you can find a way of displaying yeah, 16 as, as long as they're all spelled yeah. Coco 3, Ron, you're right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's Coco 3 only. Yeah. Coco 3, 512K. And it's not 6309 based? It will be both. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. So and there will runs... be some differences between the two. That's all I'll say. Unless yeah, it'll run a more. bit better on a 6309, but it will run on a 6809 as well. Anyway, no, any cocoa you like, as long as it's a cocoa three with five hundred twelve k. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Now, have you gotten the new gimme to make sure that you can run it in the two point six eight or whatever it is megahertz? Mm, well, it should work, but uh, I haven't got the. <laughs> I don't have. A, I'll test not, that for you, Nick, if you need yeah. that tested. <laughs> uh, they're not being sold as yet, so. <laughs> We're cool. just about so, ready. 
I won't I won't go into more details. Watch this space next week. I'll try put a video together that will demonstrate what I've actually got running so far. Yeah, I, I've, I've actually seen it running and it's pretty cool. Oh, so. we do have a question from the live chat from Ken Rackard. He wants to know, is, will your game access WeFax? <laughs> we should make WeFax no. part of the calendar and then you can actually have your weather reports while you're on the date too. Yep. Only if it has a real-time clock. Time to check the WeFax. <laughs> okay, so... But, yeah, that's a bad yeah, We got gotcha. you. Anyway. Thank you, Nick. Okay, next up. Paul Shoemaker's put up a couple graphic demos. Now, if you remember a couple months ago, Paul released his uh, Poker Squares, which was a Coco 3 card game with some really nicely drawn cards that I stole and, and, and put into EOU with his permission. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, hopefully somebody will have some time to work with those card sets because I just haven't had time to work on card games. But now he's kind of backporting some animated card sets with ML routines for the Coco 1 and 2. So you can actually do some fairly decent ones. So he's got a couple of videos. This was his first one where he's just first demonstrating it running. Nice speed. Nice look to it. Kind of stylized. Yeah. Got a shine on the black surfaces there. And even on the this hearts. Is, yeah. uh, this a nice is hard outline so you can yeah. see the card. Mm -hmm. Sorry, this is 52 pickup. 52 pickup, yeah, right? That's what Alan Huffman <laughs> said, too. Yeah. <laughs> it looks really good, and the speed's good. So this is the newer version here. Great background how, music. How I learned 52 pickup is um, my father brought a deck over to me, and he says, you ever, you ever play 52 pickup? I said, no. He goes, here. And then he, he made him, you know, fly out of his hand. Now, was that floor. before or after he said, pull my finger? No, none of that. <laughs> <laughs> so on the second one, he basically, he tweaked the card graphics a little bit, not too much, but okay. just to make it a bit more stand out-ish and, and separate the cards a little bit better. Okay. But, uh, and then he did another uh, demo, which I apparently didn't put in here, but uh, he actually just had the cards kind of like drawing across at different speeds to see how fast they would render. They could go fairly slow, fairly fast, I think. So he's got a lot of speed in the engine. I wonder if um, he'll be able to do the uh, the classic Windows cascade. Yeah, the of bouncing cards. cards. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty easy actually, because basically it just means you don't restore the background; you just yeah. overprint the thing and put it in the sign yeah. table. Still, still visually impressive though. Yeah, I feel like, so. and it's a great yep. G, great GPU test to see how fast you can make those cards bounce. <laughs> All right, let's see it. Press the button, Frank. Yeah, that's that's part of the crisis uh, yeah. update here. Just want to see if this is the right. Ah, yeah, here's the, the other one. This is the new one. Mind. Okay. Load M. Let's switch to the high def so you can see better. Okay. So he's made the actual letters and numbers. Oh, yeah, look at older. that. That's very stylized. And he's made it so the uh, actual suits are a lot larger, too. And he's got his little text generator at the bottom. You can see it speeds up. You can see how fast it can get going. Yeah. Focal one and two. Yeah. No, this is really nice. Just think of how good this would look on AC's new Coco Digital Video. Oh, yeah. Just pristine. That is cool. Paul Shoemaker. He's, uh, he's always surprising us. Yeah. 
Next up, we have uh, Erico. Of course, he's been working on his uh, semi-graphics for fighting games. So these are running very fast because he made an animated GIF. So this is not the speed that they're running, but he wanted to show a couple of the different moves. And I'd have to get him to explain what all his numbers on the bottom here mean. You can see some of the little demos of uh, you know, jumping moves. Yeah. Both people jumping, etc. Looks like an ant farm. <laughs> <laughs> the upper right one, I like it because they look yeah. like they bat battle each other after they get close to each other and stuff. And the middle right, they got the jump kicks and stuff too. So yeah. it's amazing what you can do with 64 by 32. With uh, Yeah, this has inspired me to do something. So I haven't had a chance to work on it yet. So, but uh, I, I'm inspired to do a little SG4 thing. So hopefully I'll get make some progress on that soon. Cool. Next up, we have um, Darren Ottery. Now, we mentioned his game Dropship last time with some screenshots. This time, he's actually got some good gameplay, which actually I think is a bit more impressive. Oh, and Erico just well, chimed in. He uh, says, I'm working on this. Do a quick playthrough of. Um, oh, yeah, doing the kicks now. Dropship. Um, I was thinking, you know, not everybody has. So, this is for Nick mainly because this is an, uh, a rival Australian uh, game developer now. So, game without <laughs> it. Um, it makes quite heavy use of Crikey. the S. Um, anyway. Yeah, yeah. You kind of go into the lead. I can understand this The instructions going by, but we won't sit there. What about it? You have a little like semi graphics uh, intro screen. Yeah. Here. here we go. Looks like a guitar. Okay, so it's this is kind of shameless. Yeah, yeah. 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 Very shameless like. Uh, that's in the top right. So you have and this is in basic? You go to different rooms, you'll find yep. there's different. Moves very fast. Yeah. You can access energy. Yeah, you did a good job for basic, I have uh, to say. Why do you think the screen has to, the background has to flash like that? The, do you think that that's a result of the, the, the programming? He's doing that on purpose. That's on purpose. So yeah. <clears> okay. Yeah, there's two different color sets he's for the semi-graphics mode for the text part. There's a green background and a red background, so he's just basically flashing between them. He's got his little animated bats, but the game gets quite diverse later on. Like, oh, here. look at this thing here! Wow, that looks like David Ladd. <laughs> <laughs> so this is us defending the outside of our mothership. Oh, look at that! Look, he's got like multiple shots. Yeah, multiple shots. Yeah, kind of a demon attack type thing. So he's got a couple of different game elements. He's got a Seamus type part of the game. He's got a, a demon attack yeah, style part of the game. So it's actually quite diverse. I love games like this. Games yeah. that give you sort yeah. of multiple games. In yeah, mind. like genre yeah. benders. Get a bit of a run on sometimes. Even that the scores go up in the screen after you hit Oop. them too. We don't want that to happen more than. And he's got. He must be using the play yeah. command or something because he's definitely getting non-sound command sounds out of the MC10. Yeah, he's running the MCX, which has that extended base. Yeah. Kind of for the MC10. So. Mm -hmm. It's a button masher. Here's some more. Uh, yeah, this is really cool. I, I want to try this. I, I, I've actually got my MC10s like three feet away from me. So this is on and my list of things to do. And it's using the MC10 keyboard. Yep. Yeah, no choice on it. Yeah, MC10. that's a challenge. <laughs> There's no Ed Snyder keyboard for the MC10. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I like this little mechanic here. If you want to recharge the power on your ship, it actually says the words power, and you have to eat that with yeah. the ship as you're traveling across to charge yourself up. So I want to see cool. someone repack their MC10 into like a Coco 2 case or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, you can fit the Coco VGA in there and everything else. So. Now, right. I will mention one thing. In the comments section here, he actually put a second video that actually shows the end of the game because you can actually win it. I'm not going to play that because you guys should go play it in an emulator or on real hardware. To, real hardware. Well, you, not, I, not I, don't know if you can, so. I don't know if you can emulate the MCX32 right now. Oh, that's true. 
I do yeah. think you can. So you wouldn't need a real MC10 at yeah. this point. So. Yeah. I'm not bragging. I mean, it's a, it's a really cool game, and I've, we've shown screenshots, but I haven't seen much of the gameplay. And the gameplay actually looks pretty diverse and fun. So, next out, Jim Gary returns, and this is another one uh, called Closeout, and it's from an original Big Twenty version from Compute Magazine from March of 1983. I don't know too much about the game, unfortunately, so I'll just fast uh, forward a bit here. If you understand what's going on here, you can explain it to me. I think those are ladders. Uh, great. And so I'm assuming you're eating all the different colored dots and yeah, those are ladders and you get different symbols of things. Uh, other than that, it's very confusing and overwhelming. <laughs> Colorful though. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know too much about that game. Okay, so the, Boat, you haven't fiddled with that particular game on the Vic 20 before, have you? The game is I called Close I Out. Seen, I haven't seen this one before now. Okay. I mean, go check it out. He's got it for download only on his page, like everything else he's got. Um, next up, Trey Tomes is actually asking. He says, "I'm slowly building up the need to work on a major Cocoa-based software project," and he kind of hints, you know, a game. And he was looking for some ideas. So people are giving him, you know, ports from other systems, or you know, trying to come up with original stuff like things. So if anybody has any suggestions of a game, they'd like to see somebody who's probably not completely up on their ML, but is definitely learning enough to get going. That uh, you know, a nice game maybe you haven't seen before that nobody's ported or an original idea maybe give us some suggestions on the facebook uh, comments what is the what is the um the rogue of record on the coco the rogue type game you mean yeah uh rogue the yeah. actual official port we have rogue on uh, on os9 <laughs> there's a few others that are semi-close like telengard which is another port that's on multiple systems from avalon hill um, of course, there's the Ultima style games like Seventh Link and Gates of Delirium, Paladin's Legacy. So it depends on, I guess, Caladral Flame of Light 1 and 2 might be sort of roguish. Mm -hmm. Did you like guys ever play Stratego? Pardon me? Stratego. Stratego. Yeah, I played Stratego all the time. For real or on the on a computer? Uh, I'm just saying, uh, I know there's a computer version of for, oh, I've um, never played the computer. Windows, version. but I wonder if there's a uh, similar type game on... Um, I'm not familiar okay. with that game. What exactly is that? It's uh, it's kind of like chess. You have an army on each side, and there's a flag, and you put bombs around the flag. They're little um, characters, and um, you have uh, all different uh, soldiers, and they're all worth different points. And you know, you move a, a turn at a time. And one set's red, one set's blue. Okay, so it's like an advanced chess. Is that what it's kind of like? Well, it's not really. It's it's sort of a simple game. It's or the, the the idea of it is is that you're trying to fake your opponent out. So it's a rock paper scissors affair where you've got every piece has a numeric value. So when a seven goes up against an eight, the eight will always win. But there's exceptions like the spy, who if the spy is attacked, it will always lose. But if you if it attacks any piece, it will win. Now and would the that idea, not make a great game? Yeah, the, the it would it would be it would be a really fun board game conversion for the Coco because the logic is not complex. So you know it wouldn't be a strain on either coding the AI or, or the CPU or anything like that. I'm, I am sort of surprised. I don't recall a Stratego. I'm sure that it has been released for Windows or whatever, but it, it never really made an appearance on any of the classic computers that I'm aware of. Hmm. Sounds like it'd be a good target port though for all of them actually for all the classic computers. You know how uh, some games have uh, both sides played by computer? Yeah. That could work, too. Yeah, like a demo, a demo. Like with the dead in Castle Guard or whatever, where you just, the computer yeah. played itself, yeah. yeah. 
Or that chess game Jim Gary just did where he said they, they don't play very well, but they played against each other. Yeah. I used to play Stratego yeah. all the time. No, and I, I like that Trey is like asking for input, but I think this is, becomes a slippery slope too, where now you have yeah. this design by committee feature creep scenario and everybody wants to, you know. It's, it's okay if you need a launching pad of ideas because yes. you just yeah. can't think of anything yourself. Mm -hmm. But at but some yeah, point you should time, choose your own path at some point. Yeah, yeah. once you make that choice about what kind of game you're going to make, you need to, to close up and just sort of yeah. blaze your just, Yeah, and, and my suggestion, if anybody, not that anybody cares about my suggestion, but you're going to get it for free anyways. But if you wanted to make a piece of software or a piece of hardware, I would say just make the thing that you would like to use. So if you want to make a game, make the game that you want to play. Don't worry about if this is the game the world's looking for. Just make the game... That it's going to be fun for you to make, and more importantly, that this could be a game that you would want to play when it was done, yeah. and and take that approach, and then like I say, if you build it, they will come. But if you want to have the whole world help you design it ahead of time, you're never going to get it anywhere. And I'd say that's true for yeah. hardware too. You know, like what what AC just did with his digital video, he didn't say, "Hey guys, what do you think? Should I make this? Or what would you, what features would you like to see in it?" He just did it. You know, and Ed Snyder does that. He doesn't say, "Hey guys, should I make a keyboard?" He makes a keyboard. He makes an MPI. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Um, make the thing that you want to make that, that you know, that serves a need, like John Linville always say, you know, scratch the itch, right? So if you got an itch you want to scratch, scratch it and then just make it. And um, we did that with EOU too, because we took it in some directions that some other people, you know, weren't that keen on. Others were keen on it. We basically, Bill and I just decided what we're doing is what we wanted to do. And if you like it, great. If you don't, yeah, yeah. that's great too. That's, that's If true. you build it, they will come. Right. Yeah. And if I'll you're make making an, a game... It, you know, if you're making a game there, just if you find, if you make code one that will frustrate Stevie even more, that's just a bonus added, <laughs> that's just added value. Well, that should be one of the core design goals. I think. <laughs> uh, Sorry, Ron, go AI. I'm making an AI um, host for Coco Talk. There you go. Yeah, he's never going to rage or anything. Okay. <laughs> she. <laughs> Perfect. So at any rate, if anybody has any suggestions, just to give him a launch pad, as Stevie said, just you know, to get some ideas out there, but you know, let him design his own game based on that, like a certain genre or something you think is underrepresented in the Coco, then please make some suggestions on his Facebook post. There you go. If you if you create an Elijah level uh, uh, AI for Coco Talk, you've got our our host beat already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't talk like that. <laughs> Tell me about your childhood. You're, um, you're mute. <laughs> How does that make you feel? Infocom. <laughs> yeah, so next up, uh, Noriko Maigami, who's been going through Tier City Model 1 and 3 and Coco versions of all the Infocom games. Uh, this time around, it does a complete playthrough of Zork 3, the last of the Zork series that the Coco saw. So, And she goes with her normal you know, great attention to the detail, you know, does some comparisons between the various versions. But it basically will win the game, so you can actually see how to solve it as well. So she does these playthrough videos, you know, once every week or two, depending on how fast she can get through it, and comparing the versions. So it's uh, it's an excellent series she's doing. If you're into the text adventure classic games of uh, the Infocom days, which includes stuff like Hitchhiker's Guide and Planetfall and Witness and the Zorks and a whole bunch of other stuff. So you know that we have uh, so much memory now. Why couldn't someone just string a couple of these together? <laughs> Well, Zork actually, I mean, Zork 1, 2, and 3 is basically the original mini mainframe version of Colossal Cave kind of broke down into smaller chapters to fit it on 8-bit micro. So, yeah, you're right. You could kind of recombine them into the one big game again. Yeah, that would be cool. Okay, next up, since Boat's here, I'll let him explain this. And I'll just play uh, it with mute in the background. So this is, uh, this is Springster, as I'm sure you guys know. Springster is a game that I was not aware of on the Coco. 
um, we were looking for a game for our next uh, episode of the Coco Show, and I just kind of came across this randomly. Uh, this is a really unique, fun game. Um, I don't know if this is... Is this one... I mean, do you guys all know about Springster? Is no. this like a game everybody's playing? Okay. So this is a Coco 3 exclusive. It doesn't really... I mean, there are some games like Rampage that just scream like, yeah, this had to be done on the Coco 3. I don't really consider this to be one of those games. I mean, I, I realize that there are more colors on the screen. Curse, you were talking about they needed more than four colors to do this. But this also requires 128K of RAM. And to me, I don't know what the programmers were doing here, but this doesn't this doesn't really, you know, scream to me, you know, 120. It seems like this could be something that could be done on the Coco 1 or Coco 2. But at any rate, this, this is a, it's sort of a cross between Crystal Castles and Cubert. Yeah. I would say you you play as the slinky like thing. And what you have to do is you have to collect these treasures that are scattered throughout the the level. And you have to land on. Oh, there's Wayne and Garth. Hey guys. Yeah. Um, what you, what you have to do is you have to collect these treasures and then land on certain colors of uh, uh, on the board to get the door to open up. And the the other colors on the board will either they'll either slow they'll either send the enemies away from you or they will kill. Like if you land on a green square, it will kill all the other enemies that are on the green square. An interesting thing about this game is that you see the little, they almost look like little voodoo dolls or something that yeah. are surrounding you. They, they can't hurt you. They just sort of get in your way. But the thing that looks like a demonic sock, yeah, this, that is the thing that you fear. You fear the sock. So anyway, <laughs> uh, this, you know, I just, I, we're, we're going to do this uh, at the end of this month on the Coco Show. And uh, it's it's a really fun game. I really encourage everybody that's got a Coco 3 to check this out because this is, I mean, it's sort of a hidden gem. Wouldn't you say, Curtis? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a unique one. I, this wasn't ported to or from any other machine, so it was uniquely on the Coco 3. And it was one of the earlier ones that Spectral Associates sold through Tandy as a cartridge. So uh, if you want a unique game and a little bit puzzly, a little bit arcadey, it's kind of a nice mixture. Yeah, and it's, it's 3D. It, it, is. it yeah. is. It's 3D. Yeah. I do see the um, Qbert Crystal Castles tie-ins there, as you're mentioning. I was trying to think. This did remind me a little bit of uh, a little bit of Marvel Maisie too, just the kind of 3D-ish design of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. I yeah. like the way they've gotten away from a maze of walls by yeah. using height yeah. to be the maze. Yeah, because that was a very popular format, is just going through a maze, and so the fact that this is a different type of you know the kind of 3D isometric yeah. look to it. And the timer's not a number going in the corner. It's actually yeah, an hourglass that gradually yeah, fills up, which yeah. is kind of neat, too. So, And the animation on the Slinky thing is really good. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the animation on the Slinky is great. And, uh, you know, to be fair to the developers, with a, with a screen that large, you know, you're covering a large player, you can't really make the enemies that detailed because they're so far away. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they, they, I, think, I feel like they did the best they could with it. But um, one of the things that I thought was cool about this game was that uh like i said the 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 main enemies those guys that surround you they they don't kill you they just slow you down so you have to think about it in a different way because ordinarily in, in an arcade game like this you're just trying to avoid everything because everything kills you in one hit but with these you're just you're just sort of trying to avoid them to avoid them because they're they're slowing you down and then there's that the thing that looks like the um, like Mr. Potato Head over there. Yeah, Mr. Potato Head. That's actually a uh, that's a, that gives you points, I believe. The Mr. Potato okay. Head. You want to collect Mr. Potato Head. So uh, I'm gonna have to do another perusal of the rule book again to figure out exactly okay. what's going on. And there. I see the evil sock, and then the skull. Is the skull bad? The red. The skull's skull? bad also. Um, the skull. The skull will kill you, and the evil sock will. So kill beware you. beware of the sock and the skull, but go after Mr. Potato Head. Right. 
Okay. <laughs> we and you can loiter keep... around the other guys, whatever yeah. you want to call them. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's one I, I think I recommend this to to Boat and 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 uh, Aaron as well. Is that this is one you definitely do need to read the manual to get the gist of what some of the color squares. Yeah, are because the, the color squares yeah. are the key. Like you have to hit the red. You have to collect the treasures and then hit the the orange square. The orange square will will make the purple doors appear, and then the purple doors are actually how you escape the level. So. Mm. Yeah. So it's not a quickie like you just pick it up dead cold and, and right. figure right. it out. You'll be you'll be just you know slamming your head against the desk. Yeah, and it seems like it's kind of kid friendly, family friendly. So I know unfortunately Nick Marota is now going on to other things today, but this should be on his list for game on challenge because this might be good to get some family participation because it's definitely seems like a family I'll just, friendly. I'll pump game. up the sound here just for a little bit so you guys can hear the sound effects. They're minimal, but they're they're effective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so when you're saying, like, you're not sure why it requires 128K, but th that was the minimum RAM a Coco 3 had anyways. It probably doesn't use oh, all of okay. that RAM. Okay. Um, I thought the Coco 3 was a 64K. No, no, that's the, that's the minimum setup on a Coco 3 is 128K. I see, I see. Um, but the higher res graphics screens did take up more memory, too. So you, like yeah, a, this, this, this particular a, mode takes 32K. That was the 32K graphics screen. And if they double buffered it, then that was 64K just in video RAM that was wasted. Um, no, that's neat, though. Now, I have heard the name. I'd seen it, but I've never actually seen the game. And now I'm intrigued. I like it. I think we should make that a, on the Game on Challenge at some point. Cool. Yeah, it, 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 this might be one of the ones since we have not done this game before in Game on Challenge and you guys aren't recording the episode for a few weeks is that maybe this is one of the ones we can actually synchronize the two. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, we won't record this episode until the end of April and then it actually won't come out until May sometime. So yeah, plenty of time. Isn't Qbert kind of like it? Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a Qbert Crystal Castles cross with some unique elements of its own, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the main difference between this and Cubert is that you don't actually have to traverse all of the squares on a board, you know, in order to pass the level. Right, you you right. only have to land on a couple of them to activate the things that you need. So. Yeah. Next up, Geiger Punk, who's got that awesome lava lamp and, you know, funky TV with all the uh -huh. lighting and stuff here, decided to try OBS and do his first live stream ever. Uh, so we did multiple systems on this, and it was an hour and a half stream, roughly. And one of the systems he did, and this is all real hardware. He didn't do any emulator for any of the stuff he did. Uh, so he does like a Commodore 64, and I think he did a Specky or an Acorn or something. And he did the Dragon for one particular game. So I thought I'd just show a little bit of that. But the game he picked on the Dragon is a Star Trek style game, but it's not one I've seen before. So I thought I'd show that. And let you see what it is. He also got his SDC uh, finally running too. Captain's Law, starting 42.9. We needed a voice synthesizer that talks like her. Hey, Coco SDC, I recognize that. Yeah, running on the dragon yet. He's got an outdated explorer. Really old. So he's taking requests on the chat and the streamer, and somebody suggested to ask, and then they just picked. See what that's like. I have no idea. Loads a little Space faster Fighter. than the cassette, huh? Good job. <laughs> yeah, he's probably not used to that, eh? <laughs> Space Fighter, you're about to enter into a hostile universe overrun by a fleet of Krugons. It is now your duty to free the universe. No, no copyright no problems there. The no, Krugons. And a number of star bases. Would you like more details? Yeah, I suspect you better had, Talos. 
in their space. Oh, look at that split screen. We got graphics and text. Yep. Look at that. A bit more of the advanced programming like Dragonfire. See if you can handle that, AC. What is that? That's his uh, joystick he's using. It's actually yeah, a spring back. You've got me there. He's, he's mixing <laughs> graphics and text there. Uh, I I just put the whole project on hold now. Or, or try music because it does the same thing. That's just SG4 and Alpha, right, Curtis? SG4 in the bottom and P mode 1 on the top. Oh, okay. What? He's basically just, you know, during certain H syncs, he just changes the video mode completely. Later in the show here, it's a real time clock. Two. Yeah. Side arrow keys and up down keys. Which is either side of the keyboard. Now, is the whole game like this, or is that just on the title screen? Okay, now, there you go. Focus. Thank you. Krugons. That's what I put on my salad. I put Krugons on my salad. Okay. <laughs> Those little crunchy things are delicious. It's making a farting noise. <laughs> oh my, it's broken wind. <laughs> How rude. Where are we going? Now that looks like that's the text block over there. That's the uh, text cursor. So now he's splitting the modes on a uh, horizontal. Or is that just PMO3? Uh, no, I, I think, think it's just PMO3. Okay, it's hard to tell because of the uh, RF. The kind of, so it's, yeah. it's kind of based on the, the Star Trek simulator arcade game a bit, where yeah. you've got your live action hey. on the left and your long-range map on the we right. We got one. We got one. And you have guided missiles. This yeah, that's different. neat. That's, it's pretty smooth, too. The speed it's of it. thinking Transam. Transam. The aiming is not good. But I've never seen a Star Trek simulator like this that actually has guided shots. So as no. you steer, yeah, shots yeah, it's okay. it adds kind of an arcade element to it. Yeah, my shit. That's neat. So yeah, that's one on the dragon I've not seen before. So I thought okay, this, is, this is for the dragon exclusively, right? Uh, probably not for long. Mm -hmm. Um. And it may, because if it's joystick operated, it basically just works. Uh, it's they, only keyboard stuff that you have to worry about being different. But it's a, it's a cool, uh, you know, Star Trek. And there's that a is few neat. Star Treks around the dragon. Yeah. If only there was more than one or two Star Trek uh, inspired games back in the 80s. You know, I just think there was such yeah. a, that was a yeah, miss. Maybe some that text was a, mode ones. Yeah. You know, just, that was a real just missed opportunity. I think more people should yeah. have cashed in on that. <laughs> I mean, I know there's a bit of the copyright because you're using Krugons in this game. Obviously, we're to use that uh, term. So, yeah. Are there a lot of Star Wars, too? Uh, unfortunately, not as many as we would have liked. There's that, uh, that was that was intentional irony in that statement because there were yeah. dozens, if not multi dozens, of Star Trek inspired games yeah, in the seventies and eighties. But not a lot of Star Wars on in general. There wasn't you know a lot why? of Star Wars because Star Trek is better. Yes, <laughs> because when they had to start a uh, Star Wars game, you have to have that text go oh the scroll infinity. yeah yeah, yeah. He's gonna figure that sucker. well that and lucas was famous <laughs> pursuing people but yeah uh, but uh, yeah even Disney the Man. the first so star wars came out in 77 but the first official star wars game that was star wars licensed was in 1983 on the atari vector based thing so you're talking yeah. about you know almost a 10-year difference from 
theatrical release to official arcade release. That was the release. third movie was out at that point. Yeah, yeah. So, and of course, you know, we had, there were a lot of games that released in the early days of the Coco that had TIE Fighter looking ships, like Quasar Commander and Project Nebula and a lot of things. So a lot of people would cash in on the look of Star Wars. And we, then we had the Trench game. What was that one called? Star... Intergalactic Force. Oh, okay, yeah. So we had the one or where the force, later, the force, where you were like going down the trench to bomb the portal, um, and then we had Return of the Jet Eye later on. But yeah, there weren't. You could probably count on one hand the Star Wars games that came out on the Coco, whereas you would need at least two to count the Star Trek inspired games for the Coco. Well, yeah, like Star Star Trek, I got kicked off of the teletype computer in my high school in seventy. 70- Four for playing Star Trek all the time on the teletype. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you're old school, man. Uh. <laughs> Actually, I was going to ask you about when. When do you guys plan covering uh, teletype games on uh, any of the ARG shows? Uh, well, that would be never. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have one, <laughs> well, not unless somebody donates one, and then we might consider it. No. That'd be a great ARG episode where you have the printers just going off in the background. <laughs> <laughs> you could do the, the, an ASMR episode of that. Uh, that <laughs> Isn't that what Walter Cronkite had going on behind his? Yeah. That... Uh... yeah. <laughs> so uh, next up, this is an interesting one. It's, it's a French channel. I don't know if the guy's in Quebec or if he's in uh, France. I'm assuming Quebec for now, but I'm not sure. Sacre bleu. <laughs> What he's doing is he's trying to go through a chronological of all platforms of the 8-bit machines and doing every single RPG game ever made. And this is his 64th game in his 114th episode. So he's taken multiple shots at a few of them. He's played a Calabeth and Ultima 1 and 2 and Wizardry and all these other ones. And this is this week he hit Dungeons & Dragons. Is this just on the Coco slash Dragon or is this on other platforms too? This is all 8-bit platforms. All platforms. Okay. So okay. I won't play the video because this is his almost three-hour attempt at this. Now, he, I did talk to him a bit. He does understand English. And uh, he he's more of a chess player. He's not a fast typist, so he's just getting slaughtered. In day. Uh. <laughs> so he got some save game states and stuff. But uh, it's, it's interesting because you can, like, I turned the closed captioning on. And uh, by the way, YouTube's closed captioning for French to English sucks. Um, but you can get the gist of it every once in a while. You and you can see it, that he's uh... impressed with the real-timeness. He's impressed with the sound effects getting louder and the different monsters having unique sounds because in 1982 that was yeah unheard think, of the only game that did that so yeah would you say that the uh, closed caption in lay stinks oh it wouldn't even spell that way it's probably say love pew pew or something <laughs> Who knows? le pew le pew oh, oh. but i did want to show like in his videos here and you can see, like, here's playing Dungeon in the Apple II, and here he did Dragon Stomp on the Atari 2600, Rogue, and Rogue PC. on the PC from 1980, and Warrior Wrath of Dungeon on there. Nice. And Good. you can go through all the various ones, and he goes back into, like, the, you know, here's the original Wizard. Oh, yeah, look at that. Nah, that is nice. Volcanic Dungeon on the ZX81. Uh, you know, various ones. Great he goes back and forth between the uh, I'm going to have to want to watch. Yeah, here's the original Calabeth on the Apple II. And that, that year is actually wrong, because originally Calabeth came out in 79. I know I played it right then. And the Aspy ones from Epics, and you know, like he goes through all these old ones. So he's doing wow. a really nice history of it. Yeah. Knights move on the Tier Stadium Model One. I haven't even heard of that well, one. You got to make I sure we get the uh, Forest of Doom in here. So. Uh... Yeah. Well, he's if he's doing a chronological order, he's going to be wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got forty years of videos to catch up on. That, so, yeah. 
But Dungeon Quest, I remember playing that on the Apple II when that version came out. Like some of these are like bringing back my high school memories type things. So, yeah. Just to prove how old I am. Yeah. And it's amazing how impressive, like if that just just seeing that 3D line art looking down a hallway stuff, even on the Apple II. Oh, that was revolutionary. That was just like, that. wow. Like, oh, my God. Because yeah. um, I played a few text adventures even back in like 78 uh-huh. on the pet. And the first time I saw a Calabeth in 79 on, on the Apple II, it was like, oh, my God, the future's here. Yeah. Yeah. And now I've never know, heard or seen an Apple play or do anything. Oh, you so. got to catch out the ARG Presents yeah. channel because they just yeah. did. He did some Apple stuff on the stream here just uh, last night, actually. That would mean I'd have to actually choose to do that. Hmm. Yes, <laughs> just just like you choose to well, you good. know review all the Samuel Gimes. Bits. Yeah, I was just gonna say play some Samuel Gimes music in the background, and boom, you're good. <laughs> Fire up that Coco Thoughts playlist. Which Where's we know Ron has Spotify? set up That's already. That's what I want so. to Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> neat. That is a neat collection. What's... There's an archer by the door. <laughs> so this is, uh, and, and Bo, I don't know how much you know about this because this isn't your show in particular. Uh, ARG Presents, which is Aaron and his brother Brent. And they spin that wheel, make the deal, and they have a special theme of uh, yeah. The show so this for is every a, you're, you're, you're in the wrong place, Curtis. If you, go to, if you go to Amigos Retro Gaming, that's where it's a little bit confusing. Uh, Amigos Retro Gaming carries the show ARG Presents. ARG Presents Twitch channel is the channel where we stream blue. That's where we do our, our oh. not family-friendly content. That's clear as mud. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I did not make the system. I just know how it works. So if you go to Amigos Retro Gaming, just twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming, uh, you can find the ARG Presents show on there. There we go. So wait, this, this is recorded live at 10 a.m. Eastern, I believe, every Sunday? Yeah, 10 a.m. Eastern every Sunday. And, and tomorrow's uh, show is uh, type-in games. That's what they spun on the wheel. Correct. So games typed in from books or magazines. And they both happen to pick Coco Games from Rainbow. Now, Boat, I think you've actually tried one or I've two of these. I've played both of these. I've played okay. both of these. So do you so want to the, give kind of a sneak preview of what we get to look forward to? Yeah, yeah. So the, the first game, the, both of these were actually also Gopher-based games, which is weird. I don't know how that happened. The first one is called Gopher Smash. Anybody played Gopher Smash before? No. So everybody's played the uh, the Whack-A-Mole yeah, game yeah. over at the Chuck E. Cheese or whatever. This is a type-in game based on that. And I'm telling you guys, this is a good game. Um, it's an it's a perfect example of what a type in game should be. Uh, so you you got fast action. The the gophers rise up, and the way that they've done it is that the the gophers rise up out of holes that are marked with the Q U E A S D and Z X C keys on the keyboard. So you keep your fingers over those buttons, and then you mash on whatever letter it is to 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 whack the the gopher. Uh, but there are also false flags, so you'll have other shapes that are not gophers rise up out of the holes, and if you hit them, then you lose points. So for like a 10 line or yeah, I, I mean, this is like, it's a very short type in game. Uh, it's it's very impressive. The graphics are good and everything. So I highly recommend Gopher Smash. I do not highly recommend Brent's game, which is called Gopher It. And it is basically like a snake type game where you are delving into your gopher hole and you pick up plus signs. The game crashes when you go outside the play field and uh, the game never actually ends whenever you collect all the plus signs uh, it just sort of flashes and then you have to manually reboot which is par for the course for a lot of type in games you guys know that type in games not always the hallmark of quality 
Well, did you type them in yourselves or did you get a, like a digital copy of it? They did. Uh, I actually, I, I submitted a few suggestions. Because there to, could be, uh, Aaron. Just, it could be typographical errors. Too, That's good. User yep. error could be a part of it. Yeah. I, I did. I actually, I made a rainbow on disc. I, like I grabbed the two rainbow discs of these two games came off, which both were from 86, but different issues. And uh, the the bugs uh, that uh, Boat is describing, especially the one when you end the game, like when you supposedly win, it just sits there in a single sound routine. That's actually in the original game. So okay. That's actually right from Rainbow on Disc too. I didn't have it crash, so maybe there was a typo there. But yeah, they both typed them in. They were both like less than a page or just barely mm. a page. So they were shorter games. They're not like extensive. I and mean, we had some pretty decent, you know, basic yeah, games. But Brent they didn't want to type in nine pages in a deadline for half a week. Bryn actually typed his in on the on the Mocha, you know, the the oh, online okay. poker yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he he saved it as a snapshot, so you can play it right in the browser. So pretty pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if you guys are interested, I did make a disc image with both of these on there um, and put it up on, on the Amigos Discord. But if you guys on the Coco Discord want me to put it up there so you can kind of see what they're talking about and try it out yeah. after their show tomorrow, I can throw them up on our Discord as well if there's enough interest. Sure. Okay. There so that's go. the last of the video stories I have for the game on news. There's one other thing I will mention that was posted in our Discord. There's no screenshots or anything to say here, but uh, Brett Gordon gave a small update to the Legends of Alcaron, which is okay. the game that him and Jay Cyril yep, worked yep, with, yep, the yep, networking yep. game. And I'll, I'll just read his exact quote. I think we did our first test of multiplayer last night. I don't know what he means. He thinks he did. Uh, wasn't much to see, but it was fun seeing the two kings running around in a shared, albeit small world, and knowing the other king was a human and not some brainless NPC. It came with new bugs and expected bugs. So they've actually got to the point where two simultaneous players are now playing network, though it's, you know, it's barely running at that point. But the two-player interaction is actually working now. Neat. So I wanted to give you that guy's that update as well. Yeah. And that's it for both sets of news. So that's all news. All right. Well, we got about roughly 20 minutes before I have a hard out. Or, um, so we can go ahead and squeeze in project updates and acquisitions in this time frame for those who have. Although Brian Weasler is here. I don't know if 20 minutes is even enough for him to begin to explain what he got for us. Um, so what I'll do is I'll go first because what my update, my acquisition is uh, Australian related. And it's the hat I've been wearing all day today. And so I was at a uh, festival a couple of weeks ago, and I saw this. This is uh, the what caught my eye on the uh, on the booth is it said kangaroo hat. I'm like, oh crikey, I got to check this out. So this is an Australian <laughs> hat that's supposedly made out of kangaroo leather. So this is my outback. According to Nick, this is what the poofters wear in Australia. So I don't know, um, but but I think it looks kind of cool. And so I was just thinking about Nick and thinking about Australia when I got this hat. So that's my latest acquisition. And uh, and boom. I have a, a croc teeth. Quick one to talk about, real quick. John Lowry. Yeah, I um, my Coco Three is uh, on a journey. Uh, I sent it off to the zip Zipster Zone. It's getting upgraded. Uh, I'm getting the Gimme X with the eight mags, and the sixty socketed sixty three oh nine upgrade as well. So it that's off happening. And uh, I'm awaiting it to be back. I don't, whenever Ed gets around to it. It's like sending your Coco to the spa, right? It's going to get its hair did, its nails yeah. did. It's going to come back looking all fabulous, right? So. It's exactly. <laughs> and so when it gets back, I should have a bunch of neat stuff to be able to do. It's a bit it. more than a spa, though. It's also like it went for like two months of intensive physical training with a therapist or yeah, something right? like that. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm excited. I can't wait for it to get that back. That is cool. 
Yeah, there's a few people that got on the early. Qui-Gon, I think, is on that list, too, that uh, is getting the early. And uh, a few other people I know of have actually sent theirs off, too. So Ed's yeah. doing a few in this first uh, or second batch. I guess that's first beta testers got the first batch of the. If, if you do it, the way to do it is to uh, when you ship it, ship it and pay for the return shipping at the same time. And they can include the label so that all Ed has to do is put it back in the same box, put the label on it and ship it back to you. Okay. Ah, and just responded saying, just finish it. should go out Monday. How do you like that? Awesome. Real time, <laughs> real time communications here. Which so, speaks, yeah, it takes about four days or so to get there. So, about by next Friday or so, I should speaking have Speaking of Ed Snyder stuff, I, this is my Coco uh, MC10 that he modified for me. And I've got my MCX32 and my MCX128. So, yeah, I want to check out that new Darren Ottery hybrid game uh, on the MCX32. So Thanks, Ed. I, I got my MC10s ready to hook up here in the near future. So, so cool. Yeah, it said he's working on a bunch right now, so that's good. Now, who else has got an update or acquisition they would like to share? Anyone? I've got a little. I've got a little something. Sure, go ahead. So, um, <laughs> this past Saturday uh, was one of the the hallmark events of my life. It was the third meeting of the International Computer Club that was held uh, on uh, our uh, Twitch channel, the Amigos Retro Gaming Twitch channel. And who better to ring it in was the one and only Curtis Boyle, uh, who gave a presentation on Ultima clones for the Coco and also the Gimme X board. Uh, uh, Curtis, you want to give a quick recap of your talk that you, you gave on the ICC? Um, I don't know if I really have to, because I kind of did some of the same talk on, on Coco Talk that same day. But uh, basically, yeah, we've got the archive of the Gates of Delirium archive, which is the first Coco a real full-blown Ultima clone up on uh, my game's website, and that had been lost for a while because four people had worked on it over 2004 to 2006, and then it disappeared. Uh, the original website went bye-bye. And I don't know I'd archived it off in a CD, and I finally found the darn things. I put it up, and it's actually stirred a lot of interest because a lot of people haven't played it and didn't realize how big the game was. And then, of course, you know, just giving some uh, summaries on the Gimme X because now it's actually getting into manufacturing. Ed's got, you know, the, the pick and place uh, machinery. He's also in the midst of moving, so that kind of slowed things down a bit. But he's got it. He just released a new firmware update for it, too, as well. But basically, it's now starting to get shipped out in small quantities in the full, you know, pick. It's kind of like the uh, COVID shot, it seems like. We're getting small doses, but pretty soon it'll be ready for the entire country to have. Yeah, there'll be the deluge. Because once (laughs) it gets it into, you know, manufacturing using that new equipment he's got there, it should start to be not just... uh, Did you get the Moderna uh, Gimme X or did you get the Pfizer? (laughs) (laughs) The Janssen one shot. (laughs) And we also had, we had people from all around the world. Obviously, this is the International Computer Club. We had people from England giving presentations. We had uh, Rob O'Hare from Oklahoma. Uh, giving a presentation on his uh, console copier collection. We had a real nice group of people from all around uh, just talking about their, their re- it's, it's basically like Coco Talk, except it's only once every three months and it, it covers all, you know, all computers, all yeah. consoles, anything retro. So that's cool. And I did want to mention too, um, what, what's the name of the guy in uh, Toronto? Uh, Jason Warren. Are, are you talking about Jason Warren or are you talking about Frank from Frank. Retro Rewind? Yeah, Retro Rewind, who we were talking in the chat earlier here, who wants to get into manufacturing some Cocoa stuff, and he's got several of those pick machines as well, and he actually makes a ton of Amiga and C64 hardware, as we mentioned earlier, 
Yeah, he um, gave a he, this guy has a, a, a long history. I guess he used to work with Leo Laporte over on the uh, on the uh, This Week in Tech and uh, by all of his various uh, things that he used to do back in the day. Uh, but now he's getting into the hardware game. And uh, yeah, I'm super excited that he's he's thinking about delving into the cocoa scene. That's super cool. Yeah, he did mention to me he's already got a cocoa one and two. He wants to get a cocoa three so that he has machines of all three basic types for doing prototype you know, hardware design and stuff, but he does like, you can mention what, what's some of the stuff he's done in the media C64 as far as um, he's done uh, diagnostic carts for the C64. He has a full range of cap kits available for all the Amiga systems. If you guys know anything about the Amiga, the caps blow on those like nobody's business. So you got to You got to recap those old systems. Uh, he's got, uh, he's even got little things like, uh, like transit discs for the 1541 for the C64 hard drive. Um, if you are, or for the floppy, if you're taking it on the road or whatever, they actually sold little cardboard uh, diskettes that you put in there to keep the innards from rattling around. He sells rep reproduction ones of those. Uh, lots of little things like that. But, you know, his big sellers, I'd say, are both the uh, the RGB to HDMI adapter for the Amiga, uh, plus all of the diagnostic kits for the C64. But like I said, he's very excited about expanding into the Cocoa universe, too. Yeah, so he was he was a good guest, and I'd never met him before before the uh, ICC show. That super really nice, cool. super. We've super been talking nice. to each other since, That's trying awesome. to squirm a Coco three right now. So another hardware developer for the Coco. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Crikey. You know, at the next uh, Coco Fest, somebody ought to put every available adapter on a Coco and see what it would look like. <laughs> <laughs> David Ladd, are you volunteering? <laughs> The next Cocoa Fest is going to be at Ron's house. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll back by the pool. Arizona yeah, Fest. Why not? Cool, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> so is there anything else that we didn't cover at this point? Or was there something else we need? Anybody else have? Uh, Brian Weasler. Brian Weasler is raising his hand. <laughs> As we knew he would. <laughs> I, I got a couple of things I can share real quick if you. Oh, and that was Brian Schubring, too. Were you raising your hand, waving your hand, Brian Schubring? Okay, so we got Brian and Brian, and then we might be out of time because we got about 15 minutes left, a little less than 15 minutes. So, okay. uh, Brian Weasler, you're up, and then we'll get to Brian Schubring. Okay. A uh, couple things here. Uh, a uh, One of those uh, mouse holders, if you guys remember those back in the day, that you could they actually double-sided tape. You could actually stick them on the side of your monitor so you could uh, hang your mouse on there. So. useful invention, a useless invention ever. So, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it keeps that patch on the monitor from from going yellow, though. <laughs> oh, there, well, there you go. Yes. And then uh, also picked up the uh, uh, art gallery version of the uh, of the software binder. And what, uh, what I liked about this one is it actually had everything in there so a lot of times it's missing the cartridge or the cassettes yeah and it even it even had the images files that oh wow to do. so and it had the um also came with the um uh where's it at wait for it wait, wait for, for it. it there oh shoot it's in between here there it is uh the beloved oh uh, the keyboard gotta, template gotta, overlay that's right Gotta have that. That's complete. That's a complete. <laughs> I gotta have the chiclet keyboard too. <laughs> yes, you gotta have the chiclet. Yes, you gotta have the chiclet keyboard. Um, a book that I've had uh, my eyes on for a while, or not been looking for a while, and uh, finally, uh, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. He had posted on Facebook that he had some books uh, available, and uh, so I reached out to him, and uh, uh, this is one I've been wanting to get. It's the it's the Captain Eighty, uh, book of basic adventures. Oh wow! So, oh, so that's in the Model One and Three then, right? 
Um, it does cover the Model 1 and 3, and it's also, it's one of those that's kind of a cross-platform. Yeah, it's basic. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Is there an archive of that? I would love, because I'm working on uh, another book on basic adventures that I'm using to develop something with. And... Um, I can check and see. Yep. Be great to see. see some of that. Yep. That's cool. And then um, last week, you guys had seen me uh, with, uh, I showed this one here, the the reading is fun. Oh, so, man, it's so, so cool. Um, this week, uh, Moby Dick. Wow. Um, and these are pristine, so was, dude. These are yeah, just... They're, yeah, oh, they're in the, nice. uh, still in the bubble. So, yeah. You are an animal when it comes to collecting. Like, Brian's an animal when it comes to music. You're an animal when it comes to collecting. So, <laughs> And then just two more things here. The uh, Just two more. more. A slow week just, for you, Brian. Just, slow just week. Just two more. Right. Or he's pacing couple, himself uh, for next week, I'm not sure. A couple dragon cartridges. Uh, <laughs> cave attack and... Uh, or ghost attack, excuse me, and cave hunter. Okay. So I haven't had a chance to play with them yet, though, but uh, two of those. And then um, a guy that uh, I've been buying some stuff from over in the UK, um, he asked me if I'd be interested in this. Uh, I don't know if anybody recognizes it. Uh, the name of the company is P&P Communications. Okay. The cartridge has some legs on it. Wow. And a connector. It's a, it's a multi-pack. Uh, it's not a multi-pack. It's a disc controller for the Dragon. Okay. So it's not the it's not the actual dragon controller, but it is compatible with the dragon, which I've been kind of excited about because uh, I'd like to get a floppy drive going on the dragon. So you can see it uses a little different connector, the, the but pins. it's still the it's it's still the the fifty pin. It's just that it has the type that uh, that you put in there. Fifty or thirty four. Thirty four. Thirty four for floppy. Okay. Yep. yep, you're correct. Yep. All right. So just a different type of connector, but it has the little legs in there, so it prop itself up so. yeah okay stabilization yeah, that's that, a, that'll look silly in a multi-pack yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's got to be the last cartridge too because you can't have anything in front of it <laughs> exactly exactly so uh so there you go that's, that's neat can, that's a long cartridge i guess that's similar to like the original coco one floppy one that was yeah, longer that's like a super long cartridge Yep. That looks like that. That's that's probably bigger than the mini MPI, the Mega Mini MPI, even probably. You know, so <laughs> it's just... it acts as a coffee stand as yeah, well. Yeah, right. You there put you your go. coffee cup on top of that one. Yeah, yeah it's it stable does. enough with the uh, legs on it. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, actually a little bit longer. So yeah, here would be the uh, the cartridge. Yeah. So that's yeah, quite a bit longer. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. quite a bit longer than a long cart. Yeah. yeah. So yep. That so yeah, I'm kind of excited to try this out, and uh, haven't been able to find a lot of documentation on it. But there is a there is a text file out there on the uh, the Dragon Archive that has some of the commands that are in it are available. So okay, very cool. Thank you, Brian Weasler. And up next is Brian, the Music Man Shoebring. Yeah, 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 yeah. And just uh, just a real quick teaser. And, is this a 20 uh, minute teaser like your yeah, YouTube like video? Your no, 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 no. <laughs> all right, all right, here we go. Get this up here. And uh, you can read what it says there. Sung by Carrie Underwood. Words of music by Josh Carey and Chris Tompkins. Moused in by Brian Schubring. Mm hmm. You know, got the sheet music and all that. Okay. And um, this is going to be Coco related. I'm going to shut up with that. Okay. Okay. Can we get a little teaser of what it sounds like, or is that just we have to tune into your YouTube channel in a future episode? Can't He's hear. It. Playing. Is that better? Yeah. Yep. Are you going to get dinged for this? No. 
Talking a little distortion now. Sounds good. So, but yeah, there's. Ouch! You got I, it. You, oh, you're turning on your volume. Overmodulated there, Brian. Is that better? Um, a little bit more. Barely. What? Still, uh, uh, distorting. Okay. Weird. I didn't do anything with my mic at all. Uh, you're coming in really hot, so your whole board's hot or something. Just sit back from the mic. Yeah, don't eat it. Um, I'm not eating it. I'm I'm back from it. Is that better? Mm, yeah. That's okay. That's a little Hello. bit better, yeah. Talk to us from the next room over. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> I don't know Talk what to us the from Ron's house. Yeah, so. yeah. No, that so, sounds good. What's going on? That's, uh, so, um, and I, I should have also mentioned in my updates, in, in addition to my genuine Australian hat, uh, uh, the newsletter will hopefully be distributed today. We've been working on it a lot. The team has been working we are the newsletter right now is already up to 48 pages with no fluff that's mm -hmm. all content so a lot of great contributions a lot of great articles so the glenside coco 123 spring edition will hopefully be published tonight in time for easter tomorrow so um stay tuned for that i'm very proud of what we've put together and I want to thank everybody who has contributed to it. We're going to have a recurring Nitrous uh, or OS9 column from Rick Euland and um, all kinds of stuff. So uh, look forward to that, hopefully tonight. The good cool. thing it's email or you'd have to spring for perfect binding. Yeah, right? <laughs> all right. And so, cool. Anybody else? Updates, acquisitions, thoughts? Fun. Thoughts and prayers? It's just a reminder to catch uh, ARG Presents tomorrow on... Um... The Amigos Gaming on Twitch at 10 a.m. Eastern for two Coco type in Gopher games. Mm, yeah, Ron, you said you had a few things you wanted to share. We got we got five nah. minutes. We got we got okay. five minutes. No, no, no. Ah, All right. Nothing. All right. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna run the outro and then we will be back and we'll have time for final final thoughts after these words. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for being <laughs> here. We had a great uh, great turnout in the live viewership too. We peaked around sixty viewers live, so uh, good uh, good turnout today. Thanks everybody for watching. So we'll be back right after the outro. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click on the Patreon link on our website, cocotalk.live. CocoTalk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Alan Murphy, Bill Noble, Brian Joyce, Brian Weasler, Curtis Boyle, D. Bruce Moore, Danny O'Connor, David Ladd, Eric Canales, Grant Levy, James Diffendaffer, Jason Reichert, Jim Brain, Ken Reichert, Mark Bosley, Mark Overholzer, Mikey Furman, Mr. Dave6309, Nick Morentes, Nick Marota, Nick Marota, Nick Marota, Paul Fiscarelli, Richard Lorbieski, Rick Adams, Rick Eulin, Rob Inman, 
Ron Delvaux, Samuel Gimes, Sloopy Malibu, Steve Bjork, Terry Steggy, Tom C., and many more. Please help support the COCO community. A list of various contributors and resources are available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The original Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. The new Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2020 by D. Bruce Moore. Both are mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever, people! Messing up my all right. It is time for final final thoughts, parting thoughts. Uh, Alan, thanks for being here. AC from AC's Eight Bit Zone. That is a super cool project. That's one of those. It's weird. It's like software. I don't think software. There's never been a challenge. People who are making software, they seem to sell it. But it seems like hardware. Everybody wants hardware. Not everybody wants software. Not everybody wants a game. Not everybody's into Nitrous Nine. But hardware, Tools. boom, everybody wants hardware. You know what I mean? So Coco SDCs and multi-packs and sound cards and, and you know, Wi-Fi modules. Every, you know, hardware seems to do well in the Coco community. So uh, I think you're on to something. You're definitely, if, and these discussions come up all the time in the face. Are you in the Facebook group, AC? No, I'm not. Okay. I've considered it, though. Yeah, so the questions come up a lot when people enter the community saying, okay, how can I get a good picture on my Coco? And then you're going to get 45 different answers. Well, you got to do a composite mod, or you got to buy a Coco VGA. You got to do this, you got to do that. You know, and there's a real, there's a simple answer. You could just get a freaking, uh, you know, RCA F connector to, to, you know, to coax and plug in a straight, clean picture to your TV, and you'll get halfway decent stuff without having to spend hardly any money. And if you don't want to solder and you don't want to do this, but, you know, everybody's got their opinion on the best way to get output from a Coco. Um, it's good to know that there are choices, obviously. Uh, and I think uh, John Lowry's favorite option is the VCR. Is that true, John Lowry? So. <laughs> Absolutely not. That's it's got to be a Goodwill VCR. <laughs> I believe it has to be a Betamax. I yeah. swear that's what the guy said. <laughs> I don't remember his name. And he, he blocked me. He literally blocked me after uh, I got up his uh, rear on that one. Uh, so yeah, that was just crazy. I couldn't believe he was actually suggesting that as a. Um, but yeah, so there there are there's you know because the Coco Three has RGB out, there are a lot of fairly easy ways to get output from the Coco Three, but there haven't been a lot of what I'd call elegant Coco Two solutions. You know, we got composite mods. Coco VGA is great, but you know there's a hundred dollar price tag on it, and not everybody's going to do that. Although I have it and I like it, um, but so you got something that's kind of in between all these things, right? It's it's you still got all the nice clean output from a Coco VGA. It's you don't have the extra features of the Coco VGA, but 
this is a great solution for somebody who wants clean output on their cocoa, you know? Yeah. Hey, and uh, just one thing I want to throw out there that I've, I've been thinking about while we've been talking is I, I have a couple of cocoa 2s with the T1, the 6847 T1. I've never seen the schematic for that version of the board. So if you have a cocoa 2 schematic that shows the T1 connections, th there are some differences there. I uh, could could benefit from seeing a copy of that. All right, and we have a channel on Discord where you can stick that. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it. I'll stick it there too. I'll stick yeah. it to it. Yeah, cool. Uh, how else can people reach you? And what's you know what's about? Do you have a preferred way for people to contact you? Do you want to give people an email address or something uh, for you, AC? Or? Yeah, there's a there's an email. So Discord works. So uh, ac eight bit zone at gmail dot com. Okay. So and it's AC eight bit zone without the the S on AC. It's just AC eight yeah. bit zone. Okay, A AC Alpha Charlie, eight bit zone at gmail dot com. Uh, but here's the real important thing: Do you have a MySpace page? <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. Or an IRC chat handle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm so popular on MySpace that Tom's in my top of my friends list. So uh, Can we dial into your BBS? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for being here. Mark Overholzer, thanks for getting all the chat links out there. Curtis, thanks for procuring and for hosting the news for us. Brian, uh, Ron, you're, you're raising your hand. If you need to go potty, you can just go. You don't need a hall pass. No, I wanted um, to say um, Paul Barton's not doing well. Oh, oh prayers so and thoughts because he's uh, he's having a rough time with some pain and. Uh, oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, he's lost mm. weight and yeah, he needs uh, major, yeah, prayer. Okay, there okay. you go. Put Paul Barton in your prayers, everybody. John Lowry, fan of the VCR, is there. Thank you, John, for being here. Rick Eulin, thanks for being here. Boat from the Amigos show. Mark Bosley's here, Jason Reichert, AC, Brian Weasler, Nick Morentes, I'm not sure if he's still awake, and Alan Murphy. Uh, thank you, guys. We're going to press the button. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye. See you next week. Bye, everybody. Happy WeFax.